0: Welcome, everyone, to Caesar's Palace, Las Vegas, April 4th, 1993, in the Legacy Series. It is finally WrestleMania 9. and strangely enough, I could not be more excited to call this show. Maybe it's because in my wrestling fandom, I'm a couple of years older, and these memories uh, stand out more clearly to me, or maybe it's because... Almost every match that I watched was a little bit better than I remembered it being. Mostly, maybe it is the setting, which some enjoy, some mock. But for me, it is an amazing setting. It also does some of the things I like in a pay-per-view. For better or worse, I'll stay 90s here in this introduction. It's a little bit like Saved by the Bell when all of a sudden they were not at Bayside High. Now it's a whole season, and they're on the beach. And there's a Mr. Belding, but it's not Mr. Belding. It's the boss who they work for. There's a Kelly Kapowski, but it's the the daughter of the boss. There's a Zack Morris, and it's still Zack Morris. And this is WrestleMania in a transition. And there is a Jim Ross, who is Gorilla Monsoon. There is this wrestler, who is that wrestler. And there's a Hulk Hogan who is still Hulk Hogan. Ladies and gentlemen, Hulkamania has returned with a vengeance. What a night it's going to be. We're going to talk about what actually happened, maybe what should have happened, what should not have happened. We're going to break it all down as we do, ladies and gentlemen. I am the Mystic, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, by God, my learned colleague, he is Mr. Ms. Fan, the Brain.
1: Greetings Miss fan fans. Welcome to WrestleMania 9, which has the unfortunate distinction of being the first WrestleMania... That is just not liked. Uh, It is looked back on very poorly. We're going to go over why that is. We're going to go over, uh, I think uh, maybe we'll have some agreement that some of this stuff is a little better than it has reputation for. Of course, we'll also touch on why it has that reputation and why uh, perhaps it deserves it. It's going to be a lot of fun stuff tonight. We are out in the bright desert sun of Las Vegas so that is always exciting. I love those unique venues where at WrestleMania and it's still WrestleMania by God. So let's get into it, my friend.
0: I tried a little trick here on the internet, Ms. Chan, because you know the internet is a big place and a lot of things have been said. You got people who regret things they said 112 years ago. So it makes you think anything's been said on the internet. So I typed in. I love Wrestlemania 9 to see if I could find a contrary voice out there. Ooh. And by God, I found WrestleMania, why Wrestlemania 9 is the worst pay-per-view in Wrestlemania history. I didn't find any I love Wrestlemania 9. I didn't even find I like Wrestlemania 9. So I tried to be a researcher out there, folks. I tried to mix it up a little bit this week. But even the whole entire internet uh, cannot support the argument of I love Wrestlemania 9.
1: Well, count me mistaken if I am, but I think even you would not uh, actually say that you love WrestleMania 9, would you?
0: It's or going to be you? a curious night. I okay. am going to be a bit of a contrarian today. Can I say I love WrestleMania 9? Uh,
1: you, you may say it if you like. I think uh, that's surprisingly strong uh coming from you i you you um i'll just say uh let's go on with the show and we'll see if you are willing to say that or not
0: yeah i am legit legitimately asking myself if i can say it because (laughs) it's not the best wrestlemania 9 that's definitely not what i came here to say i'm trying to figure out how much i enjoyed watching it Fair
2: enough.
0: and i will say this for my own personal fandom it is at least been more enjoyable for me than the last two pay-per-views that we did
1: that being the rumble and survivor series interesting i can see it well i don't know uh let's go through it and we'll see i don't know if i would say the same i'm i'm trying to see the argument so i'll try to wrap my mind around it and
0: And i don't even know if there'll be an argument because i like i said i don't even don't even remember what was on either of those pay-per-views i remember uh, Doko won the rumble and Brett wrestled Razor and I remember Razor and Sean and that tag match from Survivor Series. But you know I don't I didn't go back and look at them. I'm just saying that watching it, and I think partly number one it does what I want in a pay per view and this was my issue with All Out. The only one I really had is the fact that I want my storylines going all night. So sure. I like the Luna Vachon Sherry thing. I like the Lex Luger Mr Perfect thing. And we'll talk about Hulk Hogan, but that still falls, I guess, into the ongoingness of the show. And Undertaker and Giant Gonzalez also do that. So I like, for my show, I don't want my segments completely segregated from one another. I want my show to flow together. And this one did it for me, and I like that about it. And then, like I said, I am a sucker for the setting.
1: Setting uh, settings great. I can see what you mean about some of these storylines going on, but I, I think I'm going to have to challenge you as we go along because there are some uh, black marks on this pay-per-view that I think are pretty hard to forgive. So, so we'll see what we think as we go along. Maybe we will have differing opinions. Maybe we will come together. Uh, I don't know, but uh, I'll certainly give credit to the setting most of all because uh, I do really love... The visual of this WrestleMania, I'm with you there.
0: Okay, I assure you, and the folks listening, there will, no, there will not be overlap this week. I am, I am headed off, I got into a little rowboat, and it takes a long time to get where I'm going, but I left alone, and by God, I'm going to arrive alone. I already know <laughs> that, I know enough about you, I know enough about the listeners, I know enough about the history So I'll say something really quick. It kind of reminds me of a WCW pay-per-view. Like, one of the insults that I saw, weirdly enough. So in the (laughs) video that WrestleMania 9 is the worst, you know, WrestleMania was a comment. There was like, well, it might be the worst pay-per-view, but it's top five, like, sets to me. I love that building. Mm. And then, like, someone, you know, commented on that to argue with that. And like, it was literally a parking lot, and they turned it into that. So the argument against praising the arena was they took it from a parking lot into what it looked like.
1: <laughs> what an absurd uh, brainworm style argument like you see this beautiful set and you're like why it once was a parking lot it can't be beautiful what? No, that doesn't even make sense. You're just you're looking for ways to hate at that point and and you're really on the wrong path don't look for ways to hate come on people
0: and the two-way setting wise it reminded me more of wcw partly because it is a parking lot and we got the road wild events but like when they go back behind the curtain you know they got this majestic caesar's palace and caesar himself is there and then you go behind the curtain and it's like tents and a garage and like a trash can so you know but i like i kind of like that because to me, WCW was always in the process of making something. Like When we played outside as kids, we would take my dad's vinyl siding, which I now realize why he hated us so much. That's, that's, that's not, that's a, that's not that's a joke, folks. Oh uh, uh, but we would take his vinyl siding, which of course he uses to put on people's houses you know, for his job, and we would lay it on the ground and use it for a long ramp way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if only he could have raised it up and truly had a a great raised ramp, you know, that would have been ideal, but
0: we would have tried that too. Not, and you know, what happens if you walk on raised uh, vinyl side and <laughs> don't you?
1: <laughs> oh my Lord. Um, I'll say uh, something I think you put against WWF slash E is that a lot of their shows through history look just the same. And that was something that was not usually true at WCW. So I like the comparison. I'm thinking of, Bash of the beach with like all yeah. the sand at Spring Stampede, you've got like the the the, the covered wagon and um, Halloween Havoc is like a big haunted house and stuff, and just like yeah, I I love that kind of creative setting. So I'm with you there. Uh, it's it's a great place to have a show.
0: Okay, so we will get into this ever growing controversial pay per view WrestleMania <laughs> nine.
1: <laughs> I'm very taken aback. I would not have guessed that uh, you would come so strongly. In favor of Wrestlemania 9. Um, there are good things about it though. So I look forward to that. And other things that we're going to have to puzzle out together here.
0: I have said this to the listeners. And I'll say it again probably many times. I am so busy right now. I'm teaching eight classes. So like, there are shows that maybe I would have enjoyed more. And I didn't enjoy. And maybe I enjoyed this for some reason. Who knows what the reason is. But I definitely didn't sit down to enjoy it as much as I did. But it has been a long time since I felt excited. It might be, uh, maybe around SummerSlam was the last time that I truly, like, man, I enjoyed watching this and I can't wait to talk about it. Like, that whole combination. Mm.
2: Yeah, I
1: mean, fair enough. Uh, 92, uh, after WrestleMania is kind of a weird era because we were in that really, really kind of golden, um, little pocket of time before that. And after that, so many things changed. And now we are just really kind of figuring out what the new thing is. So uh for better or worse, you know, ninety three we said is a huge change, and now we are really into something that looks radically different than the year before. So that's uh that's something to say right there.
0: I think the last thing I'll say before we jump into it is it's also it almost deserves a good literary analysis that um that this WrestleMania where WWF used to be majestic and now they're pretty much working shows like in empty parking lots would be like Caesar's Palace Majestic and Tacky Toga empty (laughs) parking lot at the same time. Like, they're holding both of their truths, their past truth and their present truth, somehow in the setting and presentation of the event.
1: Yes, for a true uh, regality, perhaps you have to look at uh, Hogan staring down Andre the Giant, and for Mm. uh, quote-unquote royalty, perhaps we look at... um, Bobby Heenan riding backwards on a camel, so, you know, here we are in two different
0: worlds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it does begin that way. This is, you know, it's, again, the Vince McMahon thing that is just so, like, our prof, no, mm, BK, I won't say BK, was talking about uh, how poorly Vince McMahon treated Jim Ross over the years, and we can definitely go down those uh, pathways when we get there, but... Jim Ross, our defensive man is just an odd man, because back then that was strange to me, but as an adult, maybe stranger is like, hey, we're going to debut you at WrestleMania 9.
1: Yeah, I was shocked to remember that his literal first appearance with the company is at WrestleMania, and, uh, what? (laughs) That is very bizarre.
0: Jim Ross has never been a bit guy, like, he talks a lot and he calls matches, so... WWF is very, especially at this time, is very. Even Savage, you know, is is decent at the whole setup and you know follow through with Bobby Heenan. Like they're always doing a bit. Whereas Jim Ross is like, you. We will watch him on air try to find his feet, and he, he, you can feel his nervousness. He looks like a child. I guess because we've all lived long enough to see him now, but my God, (laughs) it looks like a child in the toga playing wrestling and trying to match like, actual people, and it's strange to think, like, this was a guy who I already thought was the best announcer in my childhood, but now, like, back then and now, I feel like, man, he really, really was struggling at the beginning.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, to be thrown into WrestleMania when you're used to calling uh, WCW and this WrestleMania of all WrestleManias, what with its uh, skinny Hogans and giant <laughs> Gonzalez's and uh, you know everything else that goes on, that's, that's quite a change. So I, I think he did all right as far as it goes. I am always surprised to go back and hear that squeaky voice um, that he uh, used to have. And, uh, I, I don't know. I think he did all right. I got some nice, uh, back and forth with him and Bobby Heenan. So clearly, I think, uh, the story of Heenan treating him well and kind of helping him out is probably, uh, very true.
0: Absolutely. I don't think he did poorly. I think he just, I can always, like, even if I forgot this was his first WrestleMania, I would know it when I was watching it.
1: <laughs> it does seem kind of uncomfortable. He needs, uh, Stone Cold to come along and kind of, uh, you know show him the heart of what he wants to call
0: it is uh, i don't think he would have ever gotten over if he had not become a wwf gimmick and a voice of a different kind of era because like, it was some, who, someone calls him jimmy ross during this and i felt he felt like jimmy ross who i had never thought of before you know little jimmy ross is playing wrestling with uh, bobby heenan and Randy savage and <laughs> i i just i don't know it's So it's his Gorilla Monsoon so laid back to and he is kind of the new Gorilla Monsoon. So it's a different approach. It's a three-man booth, which I don't think Ross ever enjoyed too much. But yeah, we get to watch. It's historical. We're watching the debut of Jim Ross, who will later be the voice of another era, which is coming after another era or two here in the Legacy series.
1: Indeed, and if he doesn't like 3 mad boost, then, uh, I'm sorry for him in AEW, because he's got three, four, five people <laughs> crammed in there, and, uh, it's a little much, so, there you go.
0: I have a question, I know that your answer is yes, but have you seen the final primetime wrestling, the two-hour one where they're, when they're tearing down the set? Ah. Uh.
1: I don't know if I have, actually. I feel like I have seen the last one, but I don't remember them tearing down the set. I feel like I would remember that, so.
0: There was a one-hour one after that that was highlights of the show. Okay. This was a fine. This has popped up in my YouTube feed. Um, Jerry the King Lawler is sitting in a a throne next to Bobby Heenan on the show.
1: (laughs) I know for a few weeks after Perfect was gone, they put Lawler there. I I forgot the throne, but I'm not surprised.
0: Uh, they're just doing the show, and then Gorilla Monsoon and a crew comes in and starts knocking down the walls while Bobby Heenan is trying to talk on the phone to Jack Tunney about why he can't be on Raw.
1: Oh my God, I definitely haven't seen that. It sounds awesome. I gotta check that out.
0: <laughs> it's so beautiful. It just I just wanted to mention that because it popped up yesterday. And then all right, we got the Togas. Bobby Heenan is supposed to come out with all these women with all this this whole presentation that Randy Savage gets with the grapes, but Bobby Heenan is nowhere to be found. It is Randy Savage. Randy Savage is the first to greet Jim Ross, who was already at ringside. They call it the largest toga party in the world. Um, But where's Bobby Heenan, Jim Ross wants to know, because that was the spot he's supposed to come out. And again, that's that WCW. He's doing his bit, but it's also like a very serious, like he'll be a journalist when it's just supposed to be like, oh, where's Bobby Heenan? But we all know Wink Wink is more like, by God, where's where's Bobby Heenan? Oh, my God, what's happened? Where's Bobby? Shut up. (laughs) Shut up, Jim. We all know where Bobby Heenan is, and so the next the next uh, entrance will be Bobby Heenan. I don't know how he ended up backward on his way in, but, you know, it happens.
1: I'm sure he was busy uh, telling someone who was trying to tell him how to get on the camel, that he didn't <laughs> need help, and uh, he climbed on, and it didn't quite work out. So it's a funny bit. It's memorable. Um, yes. I like it. Uh, the only thing I remember not liking is when he, like, falls off the camel, he's trying to get up, Randy Savage is, like, trying to make him flash the audience or something. Yep. And it's, like, it's like too much. It's, like, man, go, go to the principal's office, Randy Savage. You're misbehaving, <laughs> so.
0: I wonder if it was just supposed to happen and it didn't happen. Because it feels like, you know, you know, I don't think Savage, I, I hope Savage didn't just go into business for himself. So, I, you know, just, <laughs> if I know, like, Jerry Lawler, I don't know if this is WWF or he's going to end up, like, tied up in a bunch of cords and just rolling around and then like Vince Man never does an angle so that like your toga doesn't end up over your head <laughs> like <laughs> we're not gonna waste part of Wrestlemania for anything less
1: indeed it's probably half the reason they put them in togas so yeah I'm sure it was uh intended
0: so weird thing that is 2021 20, and as you said Jim Ross was in AEW And I still felt weird of this Jim Ross, like, yelling at the beginning beginning of the show that Hulkamania will run wild.
1: (laughs) It's probably the weirdest era of Jim Ross, because, like, you got your WCW Jim Ross, that's fine. You got good old JR, and, like, moving on, that's kind of what he is. But this, this ain't, you know, this is weird. This is like little Jimmy, like you said, (laughs) and he's kind of lost out there by himself. I said before, I could never get over, like, his voice at this time. And for some reason, it doesn't stick out as much in WCW. But when he's first here, like, I don't know. It's just his voice is strange to me.
0: You know Vince McMahon hated it, too. So (laughs) I don't think he stood a chance. We're going to see him come and go, come and go. Vince McMahon will be there sometimes. Jim Ross will be there sometimes. So this is the beginning of that. But right now we're setting off on WrestleMania 9. It is the last single-digit WrestleMania Uh, We were supposed to start with Shawn Michaels versus Marty Jannetty, but instead we're going to get Shawn Michaels and Tatanka. The undefeated Tatanka, Uh, Sherry, is going to come out and join Tatanka at ringside. Shawn Michaels has brought an insurance policy in Luna Vachon.
1: Indeed, and uh, Marty I I still don't understand because, like, the story is supposedly his match of the Rumble was so bad or, like, he was, uh, you know, under the influence of something. I never got that vibe. But for some reason, he's not here. Instead, we get Tatanka, which is – but we do get Luna Vashon, who is definitely a favorite of mine. So, uh, Benjamin Button, you know, cover your eyes. I know this is part of your nightmares, but, man, I really love Luna Vashon.
0: I think they found Marty Jeanetti passed out at the show, is what happened. But oh, jeez. Uh,
1: well, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked. I thought the match was fine, but Jeanetti is like full of personal problems, so I get yeah, that.
0: Jeanetti G- said he was asleep, but <laughs> it didn't go over that one.
2: <laughs> gotcha.
0: So this is uh, Bobby Heenan says that Luna is a doll in a dish. So we're getting a little babyface privilege type behavior because throughout history. Bobby Heenan talked about how beautiful Sherry is, despite the baby faces, you know, having a whole different idea of her. And now all the love for Sherry and Jimmy Hart has just gone out the window. Bobby Heenan, I think they broke a a special pact with the heel manager, Bobby Heenan.
1: (laughs) Perhaps so. Bobby Heenan will say she is really something. He'll say she's a dreamboat. Randy Savage (laughs) will ask if she is from Oklahoma Which offends Ah. Jim Ross, and Bobby Eden (laughs) says, of course she's not. She's pretty.
0: Oh, man. (laughs) Jim Ross says, this should be a tremendous athlete.
1: Should be an athlete. (laughs) Odd.
0: Okay, so, I know this is going to be a match that you do not like. In my mind, I didn't like this, but I thought it was a lot better than what I remembered.
1: Fair enough. I mean, it's okay. It's not a bad match. My only complaint is that uh, for a long time... I saw people saying, Oh, this is the only good match on the show, and really it's not like it's not, you know, they're like it's, I don't know if it's in the top five, so um it's okay, you know, it definitely could have been worse.
0: <laughs> How is it not in the top five?
1: It's probably Isn't in it? the top five. I'm exaggerating, but I'm just saying just there wanna... are definitely matches on this card that are better than this one.
0: So this one begins with um I think big arm drags by Mr. Tatanka. Shawn Michaels bumping that very nicely for him. He does the Ric Flair corner bump, and Tatanka chops him off the apron. I like that he cannot get back in the ring every time he tries. Tatanka puts him back down, which, you know, it goes with Tatanka's uh, way. He's very much offensive minded here, but he also cannot win by countout, and you got Sherry and Luna on the outside, and I don't know if Jim Ross is just supposed to be highlighting that he's new here, but he keeps saying, you got to explain, every time Sherry takes a step, or Luna does something, he's like, you guys got to explain this to me, you got to explain what's going on to me.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, Jim Ross, uh, peren- uh, permanently lost on this show, for whatever reason.
0: We get a shot of the crowd in the sky that looked like Road Wild, because another thing about Road Wild, I think, if I'm remembering right, is that, if you look past the crowd, you can see beyond the this, this setup.
1: Yeah, you can see, like, mountains and stuff, which was always cool.
0: So this is another one like that because it is makeshift. And I don't always agree with Bruce Pritchard. You can, you know, listen to the shows. But, like, one of my favorite Bruce Pritchard answers, when, his favorite set, well, this was one of two. And his answer was the same as that guy in the comment section, but for the opposite reason. He's like, if he had saw this set when we got there and what we made it into, it, it, it was one of my two favorite sets of all time.
1: What was the other one?
0: I can't remember. It's probably something in the, the bigger WWE world that, that everyone else might know, but I might not.
1: Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this match, uh, Shawn Michaels does a really good job, as you would expect. He's bumping around really well. Uh, I really enjoy the stuff with Sherry and with Luna, I just can't with Tatanka. I feel like he is so dull in everything he does. He is really doing nothing for me in this match and in all his appearances so far.
0: I will have a word. I'm a, I have a Tatanka word in a minute. Cause there's things that irritate me and not just about Tatanka, but in wrestling and does it we're about to have an overlap, but uh, I like the setup with the shoulder. Sean thrust himself into the pole, to the post, uh, working over the shoulder the whole time i like the super kick um, from the top rope
2: sure
0: uh the, there's an undertaker style clothesline by michaels where he jumps off the apron i don't know what the difference is between somebody flying and gliding but i know it when i see it
1: <laughs> indeed well said well said uh, this buddy- match has uh,
0: got here's my pet peeve beyond just tatanka This match has to have a bad ending because Tatanka is undefeated. King of the Ring has to have a time limit draw because Tatanka is undefeated. If you can't win a match or lose a match because you have an undefeated streak, you don't really have an undefeated streak.
1: (laughs) Indeed, the tortured ways we will protect Tatanka for no reason, for nothing, for no payoff that I'm aware of. Uh, we'll just drag it out and drag it out for nothing, so.
0: This is, yeah, a horrible way, I agree that too, with the ending is a horrible way to start the show, and like who wants a random count out in an IC title match? To start the show, um, I think the one thing that saves it as far as for the fans is, if you're not going to get to see Sean and Tatanka fight, you're still going to get a fight because Sherry's now a babyface so she does things like stand on the apron and not know what's coming, Luna Sean <laughs> sneaks up on her, grabs that leg, and off they go. Very smart of Shawn Michaels. Last time we saw Sherry, she she seemed to have some hesitancy about things, which we talked about. I think all of that's gone, and I think having the insurance policy was the best way to come to WrestleMania 9.
1: Indeed. uh, Sherry turning face seems like nonsense to me, but if it means we're going to get Sherry and Luna in conflict, then I am all about that. I don't know how long it lasts, but uh, I am pleased in the short term that we at least get this confrontation, because they are both... Very good at what they
2: do.
0: I don't know if it's Coliseum home video or just Saturday morning, but I remember they shoved the fight back in the uh, first aid room, but I don't think we get that on the actual pay-per-view. I
1: oh, Maybe I'll have to look for that.
0: Luna's just – everywhere Sherry goes, Luna's just after her. So – we go back to Gene Okerlund, who sometimes feels like he shouldn't still be in this W W F, but he's he's there still.
1: <laughs> yeah, many things are changing over. He'll be gone very soon, so uh, don't worry about that.
0: He is with the Steiner brothers, who are getting ready to take on the Head Shrinkers. Me and my brother, uh, we get that line. Uh, this will be one to remember. Things like get that. He
1: names right too this time. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: What an interesting night, though, because. We know from just the sitting around and pitching, if Bruce Prichard had got his way, this would have been the night that Scott Steiner would have defeated Bret Hart for the WWF title. So very (laughs) different nights uh, for Scott Steiner and the Steiner brothers.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, we've talked about it a few times. History could have gone another way, so... um... (laughs) I was going to say, maybe history went the correct way, but then I remembered how the show ended, so, uh, you know, who knows? Um, God.
0: It blows my mind that Scott didn't want it to have, like, Scott wanted to stay with Rick, so that's, it's a wild thing to think about when you could have possibly, which Vince wouldn't have gone for, because he didn't see it, but the possibility you could debut in the Rumble, win it, and then go to WrestleMania and beat Bret Hart, my God, what a rocket that would be.
1: Well, nobody ever accused either Steiner of being a genius, so, you know.
0: <laughs> do you think there's any, because I've also read from people saying kind of the Steiners had already done everything that they were going to do. They were kind of past their prime here as a tag team and that, you know, they probably should have broken up anyway.
1: Man, I don't know. I've heard that and I, I don't really agree. I mean, what kind of impossible standard do you have for their prime? Is like, do you, are they going to have their best <laughs> match in the WWF? I, I, I'll say it this way. Have they already probably had their best match that they're going to have together? Yes, probably so, but Jesus, they're still, like, far and away the best tag team I think that you come up with. Who's better than the Snyders together in 1993? I, yeah. I don't know anybody.
0: I think his Money Incorporated might be past Trust their one.
1: prime. <laughs> Hogan and Beefcake, of course, so... Mm. Oh my god. I don't know. I can sort of see that, but also, like, Jesus, let tag teams be just like great tag teams for as long as they're great. You know, you don't have to, like, break them up the second you think they've kind of peaked. Um, so, I don't know. I'm I'm not in favor of that.
0: Yeah, I can see where this might have been the optimal time to strike, where it's almost a surprise, but it's ready to happen. But that doesn't mean that if you don't do it that you got the Steiner brothers. You know, you still got, like you said, probably the best team in the WWF. So, like... You know, what are we even talking about here?
1: Right, yeah. I mean, probably the best team in the country, for God's sake. So let, let's just calm down a minute and just let the Steiners be, for God's sake. I don't know. It's like, it's a pet peeve of mine that people, like, go out of their way to kind of thrash their WWF run. And, and, my God, like, maybe not for no reason. I think I've acknowledged that. But it's a great run. So, I don't know. I just feel like people need to calm down on the Steiners a little bit.
0: Yeah. And I think this is a prime pick. Uh, for this WrestleMania, because you got two teams who are breaking out, they got similarities, they're, like, four tough guys, it's, like, similar teams as far as Rick and Scott, Fatu and Samu, and you know it's gonna be, like, this is gonna be a match where a lot of hard hitting is gonna take place.
1: Absolutely, this is far and away my match of the night, it is extremely fun to watch, um... Jim Ross uh, will say for the first time on WWF television that it is a slobber knocker. Bobby Hannon will ask him, is that what you call a waitress down in Tulsa?
0: <laughs> yes. He also brings his first, uh, he turned him inside out
1: Yeah. Uh, line
0: on the Steiner line.
1: Hell yeah, I ju- he must have been happy to see the Steiners because he didn't need to ask anybody to explain the Steiners to him. So that's
0: nice. Yeah. Uh, what do you think happened with the top rope? Were they trying to stun gun Scott, or were they trying to throw him over the top rope? Oh, God,
1: mercy. <laughs> I remember the fire Tag where he just goes like flying out, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! No doubt they were attempting a stun gun, but the Steiners are, if not known for anything, are known for their um, kind of excessive, uh, just just general excess. So I'm sure Scott launched himself about a thousand times too hard and flew out of the ring there. Man, what a spot, though. Like, that's a very memorable one to me.
0: God bless Scott Steiner's neck.
1: <laughs> it looks like he gets flat-out murdered here. No yes. doubt. Absolutely.
0: I really thought he was dead, and we don't get to see it, so we just see him falling, like, head, head, head straight down to the ground, and then <laughs> it becomes, like, an angle in the match, and he seems fine. So, you know, very durable is Scott Steiner.
1: I mean, uh, the nice thing about having um, ridiculous muscles is they'll protect you from stuff like that, you know, until they don't a little bit later <laughs> on, but that's uh, the benefit of being young, I guess.
0: We find out that Luna Bashan has has attacked Sherry in the first aid room, and that really got me as a child, because I think I still had um, enough privilege and enough youth and enough naivety to think... Then once they get you to the first aid room, you're fine.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Sure, yeah, it's breaking a convention. I don't know anybody who fought back there except uh, maybe Hogan and Savage when Elizabeth was dying. So,
2: you know.
0: (laughs) Uh, Bobby Heenan says, "Um, I'd go back there and find out uh, what's going on if it wasn't for that camel. And then he says, I wouldn't be surprised if Luna worked over the camel.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's You that. wrote that one down. That's beautiful. There's some so if great we cut, with, Jim Ross Bobby Heenan stuff. Go
0: ahead.
1: I was just saying, there's some great Jim Ross Bobby Heenan stuff on this show.
0: Would it add to WrestleMania 9 for you at all if we cut to the back and Luna was working over the camel?
1: I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean uh, yes. I can't lie. That would have been um, beautiful.
0: The heels really stick together, too, because now in my mind, she's already done it. And, you know, maybe the camel, maybe it was the camel's innocent, but... I'm starting to wonder if the camel set Bobby Heenan up.
1: Oh, that's a baby face camel, you know. So it was out to get him.
0: <laughs> okay, so back to this mascot. is just getting beat down, beat up, however you want to look at it. Uh, that injured neck, injured back. Uh, but you know what? Those Steiner brothers, they're going to come back. They're definitely going to get a hot tag. They're going to do some things before this match is over.
1: Yeah, what is it? Rick is, like, up on... Fatu's shoulders, and Samu's, like, trying to jump off the oh. rope on him, and Rick catches him in midair, and it's not perfect, but, man, it looks just devastating. Like, the stuff they could do together is extremely impressive.
0: I would say it's perfect, but, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, sure.
0: It's so beautiful, that power slam. Because I, I too that you're also learning the difference between WCW and WWF because the, st- the, the slams that the Steiners do... Crush is going to do a slow-motion robotic slam that has no business on the card that the Steiner brothers do this slam. And then Lex Luger is going to hit his slam, and it's perfectly fine. You can do it on the same night as the Steiners. If Ron Simmons was here, you could do it on the same night as the Steiners. Mm. But watch Rick Steiner slam, and then watch Crush's slam in the doink match. And you got why I often have preferred WCW over the WWF.
1: Yes, certainly WCW. uh, Well... I won't say they never pushed anybody like Crush, but uh, yeah, certainly you'll see a difference in the execution from some of these WCW guys.
0: These belly-to-bellies. Like, this is where you're right, Jim Ross is at home, and I think Randy Savage and Bobby Heaney are kind of the hat sideways at like what's happening in the ring. <laughs> uh,
1: Jim Ross says, both Steiner brothers with very impressive records at the University of Michigan. Bobby Heenan says, who cares about high school sports? Jim <laughs> Ross awesome. says, that's college. Bobby Heenan says, same thing, four years of work and no pay.
0: Oh, God, that's so cool. Good for Bobby Heenan. <laughs> Running circles around JR. Indeed. Oh, Lord. Uh, the Frankensteiner is not the best executed Frankensteiner, but it's good enough to get the job done.
1: Oh, yeah, any Frankensteiner is a, a great Frankensteiner, in my opinion, uh, although there are greater ones. You're correct.
0: Yeah, so the Steiners are going to win this, but it is a very intense fight. and It is not easily done by the Steiner brothers, so the Head Shrinkers look strong in this as well.
1: Uh, head Shrinkers are also WCW, are they not? Like, they were over there so. for a while. So, yeah, that's uh, it's a nice uh, match here that could have happened on Starcade 1990 or something. So. Dear
0: God, if it was on 89, like every tag match, every singles <laughs> it match. It have
1: been. yes, for sure. <laughs>
0: Oh, dear. I don't want to go back there. Oh, man. <laughs> that was where thing. The whole world went wrong back then, folks. Don't don't go back there. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of clowns, uh, Gene Arkland is in the back. He is with Doink the Clown. And while I am a fan of Doink, this will be the first matchup that did the opposite of what I said a lot of these matches did for me.
1: Ah, so this match uh, did nothing for you. Is that right?
0: I like the the story being told, and I like what they do at the end, but as far as they can, all the matches all turned out to be better than what I thought this one did not.
1: I think we have a little distance here, because I I thought this was decent. I didn't um, have a big problem with it. Certainly it was not anything to write home about, but um, I thought it could have been worse, so I think we have a little distance between us here.
0: So Doink is in the back with Gene Erklin. At first he has taken this uh, Caesar bust, and he has turned it into a Doink. Boss, so he is—he's up to no good again. As this clown,
1: I uh, love Doink in '93. He'll Doink, I'm all about him.
0: He just says simply, "I've got a good sense of humor." That's it. I like that. That's his defense against all these babyfaces. He's like, "Hey, I got a good sense of humor. I'm sorry if you don't."
1: <laughs> you know, babyfaces don't have a good sense of humor. You know what's really the problem is Doink is out here uh, like tricking people and embarrassing people, and that—that's babyface territory. So he's really just encroaching uh, with his gimmick here.
0: Absolutely! What a world we live in, where he is, Hill Doink is getting the best of people, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan is being sent out on a stretcher.
1: <laughs> Isn't that right? Yeah, it's it's against everything the WWF stands for.
0: In a lot of ways, it is Bret Hart's WWF in that way because uh, Bret Hart is that's the opposite of Bret Hart prevailed over the Ultimate Warrior because he doesn't vomit at papa Shango <laughs> because he's a real human being and he doesn't fall for these little tricks anymore. But he's also a real human being, and that makes Hacksaw a real human being. And all of a sudden, the baby faces don't have all the magic tricks that they used to have.
1: Indeed, yes. The magic is now a little bit more in the heel side, so uh, it's about time they needed some help.
0: <laughs> I will say I, what I love about this match is the storyline in Bobby Heenan. So Doink tells us, hey, you know what? Crush is going to be seeing double vision before the end of this match.
1: <laughs> it's uh it's a gimmick that may be hokey to some. I don't mind it. I think there's some fun execution with it.
0: I think it's very smart. There's no nobody's gonna say oh that means there's gonna be two clowns. Sure. He's just saying he's gonna work over crush. You know, and we'll see what happens before the, before the match is over.
1: We call that foreshadowing. It's a literary yes. device. So.
0: <laughs> Beautiful one. And Crush would be the kind of person you would foreshadow on all day long, and he doesn't know what foreshadow means, and he's not willing to learn it. So, you know, you just keep doing it <laughs> all day long.
1: He thinks foreshadow means when well, it's too cloudy to go surfing, so, you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just, you, I think, I'm glad you kind of like this match more, because I was the one who said that this was, I was looking forward to this a long time ago, and you were kind of, really? Like, Crush's match? and. <laughs> I think I picked up on, like, the, that aspect of it.
1: I mean, any Crush match is going to kind of have that vibe. I used to really want to like Crush. I think he let me down too many times. He's not the worst ever, but he's just never going to be what I think they wanted him to be at various points. Um, so, you know, it is what it is. I think it's decent just for watching to see what Doink does, because he has some nice stuff. He's like, a really nice pile driver in this match that I remember well. So he, he gets his moves in, um, but crushed. Yeah. There's just not too much to crush.
0: I don't know how much the guy was never that much into it. I think Undertaker and Savage kept him around, but <laughs> I don't know if because he's got a laid back gimmick, maybe he's supposed to be laid back, but this is the time where you like turn it up a notch. And that's what bothered yeah. me is like, it's WrestleMania and it's your big feud, but like he's just as laid back as he can be you know even throughout the match so uh, he never turns he never speeds up he never really kind of turns it up and you're not gonna beat doink like that
1: yeah they will try with him many times in many different places and in wcw as well even and very rarely will he really kind of step up to anything so yeah i don't know um crush uh just not my guy
0: is it weird to you that a year from now savage will be wrestling crush
1: uh, I think the weirdest thing is that Savage would be wrestling at all. I would have assumed he would be, you yeah. know, locked up in the old folks' home by then, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, good point. A quote from WrestleMania 9, resource, resourceful move by Doink the Clown. I don't know why that just tickles me because, like, <laughs> you know, the clown is being resourceful. I wish they called it. Would, how different would wrestling be if, if Sting came into WCW as Sting the Clown? <laughs>
1: I mean, he would have had a long way to go to catch up to Matt Bourne. I'll just say that.
0: Yes, absolutely. He got piledrivered recently, so the, these, these piledrivers and clowns are not – it's not It's not a one-off here.
1: He did. Uh, I'll just say – I don't know if I said this on the show before. I've said it to somebody, but, man, when Sting came into AW, I was like, why did they even hire this, like, broken neck, broken down, like, can't do anything guy – and Jesus, man, have I been flipped around on that, because Sting could just, like, get bounced around anywhere, I guess. I don't know what the hell WWE was thinking shelving him all these years, but I guess I do know, because he's Sting, and they don't really want anything to do with him uh, now that he lost the Triple H. But, man, like, I've just been very impressed with what Sting is still able to do and what he's willing to do, so I'll give him credit, Absolutely.
0: I'm not surprised by it just because I've said it many times. I think his best work was in TNA. So there's something about it. He does well in that kind of atmosphere, whereas WCW, not so much for me, and WWF certainly not. Once you once you give Triple H that win, you have given your power away forever.
1: <laughs> so absurd. But I don't even mean, like, his booking or his promo. It's just the fact that he is able to physically do things. Like, for whatever reason, I just kind of took WWE's word that after he got hurt, in that seth rollins match that he was like done and he should like never touch a ring again but clearly that was not the case so here we are
0: it's all illusion you (laughs) can i've never seen a clown who loses like his ability to put on a show so you know (laughs) it's just it's just how it's just how they are sure all right you got
1: those clown skills all right
0: (laughs) yeah to me this is Doink's match. again i guess if I wanted to rewatch it, that's how I would rewatch it because yeah, Crush right. is going to like get aggressive in slow motion on him, but you never ever feel like Doink is lost or afraid of what's going to happen in this match.
1: Certainly not. He will uh, make good on his foreshadowing when a second Doink will appear and will beat Crush with a uh, prosthetic arm, I think, for whatever reason. Uh, I think that was some part of their feud, but I don't care enough yeah. to, to check it all out. So that will help give Doink the win, which is another reason to enjoy this match.
0: Oh, that's an iconic moment in Doink, I think, Doink history is that, yeah. you know, the whole feud is about he's picking on people and Crush doesn't like it, so I can't remember how he's supposed to get hurt, but like he comes out with a cast on, he apologizes to Crush Crush finally forgives him, and then he takes the arm off that is not actually his arm and beats Crush with it. Yes,
1: yes, that's it. I'm recalling that now. So um, it's a good trick by Doink, one that Sting probably couldn't pull off. Um, On Commentary: Bobby Heenan says there are two Doinks. It's the greatest illusion I have ever seen. Randy Savage says that's cheating. Bobby Heenan says no, it's magic.
0: Yes, and he says like I was here, I was here when they were putting this place together, there was no doink under the ring. So and Jim Ross, Jim Ross gets hot about this, but you know,
1: <laughs> he thought he got away from the black scorpion and now it's being done uh, better than it ever was there. So what can you do?
0: He says, uh, Bobby, he says that Ross has hit the moonshine and Randy Savage has sunglasses on to say macho over it. So what did they know about what just
1: happened? <laughs> <laughs> this is a valid point. You know, Bobby, Heenan with those good
2: points.
0: Yes, it's just a beautiful, uh, beautiful storyline, because even in the match, you are talking about Doink being hurt, then Doink laughing, and there's like, and Bobby Heane says, Yeah, he split personalities, and Randy Savage says, how many, um, how many uh, is Crush wrestling right now? <laughs> so this whole time that they're playing this up, but you can't know it till the other side of it, which again, as we talked about, it's got a literary quality to it, even if it's Doink wrestling in a parking lot, there's, Pretending to be Caesar's palace,
1: <laughs> indeed. I was thinking you could have all the Doink clones that we will eventually see. I guess all the gimmicks that Crush will go through over the course of his career, and you'd have like mm. a whole battle royal you could go through there.
0: Yeah, he'll have a little, a little bit of paint on that face in a year from now. Be <laughs> slimmer with a haircut, a bad person haircut, just, just, just a real bad guy later on. That, that, that Crush. So indeed. maybe Doink saw something.
1: Hey, yeah, and Crush is going to smarten up and put that paint on because of Doink, I'm sure. He's trying to just uh, follow a far superior wrestler along there.
0: Yeah, you can't have but so many clowns. We got Doink, we got Doink 2, we got Sting, we got Dink, or whatever the hell his name is. So, like, how many, (laughs) Crush? I think the line is full, my friend.
1: Yep, yep, my God.
0: Okay, speaking of clowns again... We had the WWF debut, the Legacy Series debut, that is, of a man who's hosting primetime wrestling. Todd Pettingale is in the crowd. He's in the Bob Euchre seats. He'll be talking to fans all night. He wants to know if there was two doinks or if it was an illusion. The fans aren't listening and they don't care.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What is your feeling on Todd?
0: Oh, man. There's a part of me somewhere inside that is supposed to hate Todd Pettengill because he falls into that you are mostly just irritating but he also comes from a special time in my childhood. Uh, I think he was successful on the radio so I think he was an actual fan who enjoyed doing what he did. So when it all when, when the dust settles, I don't know week from week week to week if I'll have good things to say about him, but I like Todd Pettengill. I like what he where he stands in the history of my fandom
1: i like that you said that because i feel similarly i feel like this is an easy it would be very easy to hate this guy to just find him annoying and yet something about it and maybe it's just like his sincerity the fact that he really does seem happy to be there uh kind of like maybe a little bit of goofiness uh, just something about the guy i like him as well i think uh, his only crime is when he leaves he will uh bring in for his replacement a man known as michael cole which is a terrible crime so uh we'll, we'll we'll cover that in the future
0: i don't think todd pettingill ever presents himself as anything other than todd pettingill as well which is nice yes uh he overlaps vince it's weird because he overlaps my early fandom and he overlaps vince russo because mania i don't see how you don't see mania as part of uh run up to what becomes Livewire, you know, because it's all chaos and backstage and, you know, all these things. So in a weird way, he sits between two very different histories, which is the uh, most uh, kayfabe protected history, the, uh, oh, my goodness, wrestling is real history. And then, like, he's a host on Livewire when the the magazine writer starts coming on TV. So, you know.
1: (laughs) Your old Vic Venom. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, I So did you watch much of, because uh, media I'm just seeing a lot of images of, of Todd next to, like, the tape machines, and they're, like, spinning backstage, and, like, he's standing by them and, and saying stuff. And I've seen many clips of this, but is this something you watched when you were of an age?
0: We watched everything that came on TV that we could pick up. So we watched every Mania. Giant Gonzalez chases him through that set one time, I think. <laughs> So.
1: <laughs> that's spectacular. I know there's a lot of mania that I haven't seen. I don't know if that's something I wanna rectify or not, but uh clearly I'm sure there are a lot of funny little weird things on that show.
0: Yeah. The only thing I remember most is I don't know why I guess there would be a roll after SummerSlam, but for whatever reason, we had to wait till May, uh Mania to find out if like Sligger is WWF champion or not. Oh, wow. And I've told this story before, but Todd's here now. So we wait all week, it's like the biggest thing in my life. It's more important to me than my studies. It's more important than making friends. It's more important than relationships. It's did Lex Luger become the WWF champion. You wait all week. You turn on uh, WWF mania. And the show begins and Todd Pettingill says, ladies and gentlemen, Lex Luger did what he said he would do. He defeated Yokozuna. And you start cheering. You start screaming. Finally, life has turned around. Your negative scripts flip. You're going to live a life of success. You're not going to be an underachiever. Life's going to be everything you uh, uh, ex- Of course, he won the match by count out, so he didn't win the WWF title. And it all comes down. That was a formative moment in a weird way. And I say it almost jokingly, but that was a formative moment in my life.
1: Man, I I understand why you have to take like some time before we record this Lex Luger episode. Because I feel like I need time just to wrap my head around the way they booked that and executed that. It's just, there, there's nothing more strange in history, I think.
0: It's a wild... It's a wild thing that we will get to. But, yeah, that is probably the thing I remember most about Todd Pettingill. And he's fun. He's all, I also associate him with In Your House, like the first In Your House. Sure, sure. Uh, they give away a house. and he's he, Anything you're going to do that's promotion-wise. And maybe that's when Gene left, they needed him. But, like, he he seems like he'd be up there selling something.
1: <laughs> well, Don West uh, vibe for you. I yeah. understand it. And I
0: love Don West.
1: So. I also love Don West, unironically, so I'm with you there.
0: Yeah, I have no apologies. Like you said, unironically. <laughs> I loved him back then. I love him right now. So,
1: Absolutely.
0: Okay, I, I've been excited about this because I know you said you like this match better. Uh, so, And I also I, I have some things to say as well. So we've got Razor Ramon coming out, like that, that youngster who has taken on Savage, taken on Perfect, uh, challenged Bret Hart. He is now taking on a guy who used to be a world champion, Bob Backlund.
1: Yes, Bob Backlund, around uh, the time that man was discovering fire, was a world champion in the (laughs) WWF, according to the way they present him.
0: So, um... it, It blows my mind because he's like 43 years old, but somehow the fact... And I already know this, we're doing the Legacy Series by God, but when they say this is his first WrestleMania... Mm. it somehow makes him feel as old as they want us to think he is. <laughs>
1: There's something about this presentation here. Um, I don't know, on paper, Bob Backlund versus Razor Ramon, like, uh, that really gets my, uh, my gears turning because these are two of my favorites. Uh, the execution is not going to be what it could have been. Uh, I think there are good things to say about this match. There's obviously some uh, some drawbacks as well. But yeah, as you say, the whole presentation of Backlund is weird. It's like he's so old and like he's a dork, and like they're not out to like help this guy with their um, commentary at this point.
0: Nah, you can believe or not believe anything they say, but at least according to them, WWF uh, the whole goal was to eventually turn him heel. So you kind of believe it because the way they're they're putting it they're presenting him as a kid I felt like and maybe it's just because it worked and I was just starting to watch wrestling but I felt like oh this is a guy who's just not the fans don't like him but you know it's like they don't want the fans to like him
1: <laughs> Bobby Heenan says uh, well you know Bob Backlund was away from the WWF for seven years Randy Savage says well he was training all that time and Bobby Heenan says no he wasn't he was a paperboy in Mayberry
0: yes yeah. And you know
1: what they say, truth is a defense to slander. So, uh, you know, I look at him, and I believe that. He delivered to Andy Griffith. You know he did.
0: That line is so good. And, man, you know, the only thing, I think Opie got got a lot of whoopings on, and I don't think Mr. Bob Backlund would stand for that. I think that there would be a chicken wing on Andy before it was over. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: Barney Fife would not see what was coming. Oh, no, my
0: gosh. No, no, Lord, no. And that's how it would start is you would find – him laying out on the floor, twisted up, and the whole, Andy would be like, oh, what happened? And somebody would say, I saw, I saw Opie, like, leaving the, court, the the house, and, <laughs> by God, Andy, watch out,
1: Andy. Oh, he, he twisted me up. Oh.
0: <laughs> Recently, I have been watching Heal Bob Backlund just for the hell of it, and sure, it's man. as good as anything that you're ever gonna find. Like, you can't, nobody could have done that role better, and I think this is why, too, I've gone back and respected this era a lot more, because, you don't get that Bob Backlund without this Bob Backlund.
1: Yeah, I suppose they're laying the groundwork for something. I, I don't know if they had to do it exactly this way and kind of portray him this way. But you know what? It works out in the end. Um, so I, I get you. I love Bob Backlund, so I'll, I'll go along for the ride.
0: Savage is pissed off at Doink Steel, and I mean, I was thinking that Savage and Doink could have had a hell of a program.
1: They could have. They wrestled, I think... Um, maybe on some random raw or something. I don't know. I don't know for sure. So I'll keep an eye out for that.
0: Randy Savage also brings up that something's happened at the press conference that Bret Hart was knocked out by the narcissist Lex Luger. So that is also going to become a theme uh, going out throughout the show.
1: It's in the narrative. They'll have about uh, 10 reasons why Bret Hart lost to Yokozuna before the night is done. So take that for what you will.
0: It really is only protecting Bret Hart. Like when I heard Bruce say that, I was like, "That's so stupid. That's not true." But when I watch this with my eyes open, there is no reason for that except for to say he was beat up at the press conference and he was not, or he's beat up at the contract signing and then he was knocked out here. You know.
1: Yep. Yep. They're doing something to try to protect him, and yet it's highly ineffective too because it it's not part of the narrative. Like you said, like you kind of doubted that it was true even as you were watching it practically. So. It doesn't work. You know, that's what they're trying to do, but it doesn't come across.
0: It's also just weird because I don't know if Bobby Heenan is just told to do differently or if he's not really big into Luger or what it is, but you would think he was Doink's manager because he spends the whole night talking about that. (laughs) Whereas if this was Ric Flair and Lex Luger was doing everything he was doing, man, you would have that whole, like, urgency and pressure and heat and everything because, man, this – I kept trying to find ways that I could have Lex Luger beat Bret Hart for the world title at the end of this show, but not Barry Yokozuna. Yeah.
2: Because
0: this is a narcissist show. Like, Bobby Heenan says it. That that old Caesar, like, I think he could be convinced that the narcissist is from his world and just, like, help the narcissist. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think you leave Caesar without uh, Lex Luger having a big victory here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Something about Heenan and Luger never really uh... – came together. Um, I don't really listen to shoots, but I'd be curious what uh one had to say about the other and, and vice versa.
0: It's disappointing, because like, this is the last time Luger's going to be hot as a heel, because you know got, we've got one more show with him, and so this is kind of it. But Razor uh, beat by Backlund with the Inside Cradle. Uh, I think Razor requested to stop wrestling Backlund on house shows, because he was not enjoying it, and they had to put that maybe Sean or someone else in his place. So... You know, not Razor's favorite opponent.
1: I'll say this, though big, big crowd support for Razor Ramon here. So, like, it's incredible to think this guy has been around for, like, only a handful of months, and he has done nothing but, like, threaten to murder people and, like, mess with Bret Hart and, uh, you know, uh, Randy Savage and all of these, like, top baby faces. And yet, Jesus, he is so charismatic that he is over as he's as over as any of the faces on this show easily i think
0: he is definitely over as much as some of them um
1: <laughs> that's for sure
0: um i will say this and it's a weird time where the baby faces feel flat but they can't keep any heels heel <laughs> <laughs> like you can tell doink's gonna be a baby face too no matter what. he shouldn't be and yeah, i be yeah, probably yeah. don't even want him to be but doink's gonna be a baby face like you can just tell some of these guys there's no way you're gonna keep them heel forever
1: The WWF has a long history of presenting their babyface as unlikable dorks, so it's not really surprising. It's funny, they always want to have a babyface champion, but I feel like they've almost always presented their heels better, and maybe that's not alone in the WWF, because we are heel supporters, we often like the heels better anyway, but I do feel like it's particularly true here.
0: It is, and we said it at the wrong time, though, because... As I glance at my notes, after Razor gets the victory, we will go to two heels who are the kind of heels that, that, uh, they're not going to be turned babyface anytime soon. Uh, they're the tag team champions, Money Incorporated.
1: Indeed not, and man, I, uh, I'm sure both men, I guess, have babyface runs that I could think of, but, like, not significantly, um, to my mind anyway. So, yeah, they are the heels, they are the tag champions. Jesus, man, we're coming up on something. This is the reason why I can't really go along, I think, with your your praise for this show. I think this, more than anything, is just about going to kill me here.
0: So what offends you more, the tag title match or the end of the show?
1: Uh, the end of the show, I think, is more damaging long-term. But just, like, on the night, at least that's quick. Like, this is this is a torturous experience for me, so... I don't know. It depends on how you look at it, but I could very well say this tag title match is worse.
0: That's one I could agree on. I think we'll get to it. Uh, first, I said Money Inc. reminds me of a slice of bread with nothing on it.
1: <laughs> Honestly, that's kind of an insult to bread. Um, it is. I thought about
0: that after I said it. You know, but that's what it reminded. Like I didn't. It's just like, and not good bread, but like you know, because if you cho- if you eat bread by itself, eventually. It's going to be very chewy. You might also get choked on You don't have a beverage. I should have pointed that out. Uh, <laughs> okay, so.
1: it's becoming more clear now. But, uh, man, this is a team that ought to have had, like, everything in their favor, like with the gimmick and the bells and whistles. And and we know that they're talented, but just, like, it could not be less than the sum of its parts. It's terrible.
0: And I think this this man uh, Ratunda, could have saved Shane Douglas because – if there was no IRS in the box of gimmicks, I believe he would have been Dean Shyster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he may as well have been. Good lord.
0: May as, well, may as well. So Hulk Hogan has a black eye. The skeleton has been struck. Uh, that what, is, uh, I guess, the important note to come from this.
1: Where's that black uh, eye supposed to come from? What's the story there? I forget.
0: Like the real, real story? Sure. <laughs> There is no real, real story. The Clans, some people want to say that Macho Man uh, <laughs> did it because of the Elizabeth thing.
1: I've heard that, but Liz is long gone. So what? What took so long? You know? Yeah. I don't know. that's funny. That's I don't,
0: strange. I don't believe that, but right. it's a very fun story for people. <laughs> what a thing, though! This is Money Incorporated versus the Mega Maniacs. It's Brutus Beefcake's big return with the mask. It's Hulk Hogan, you know, back in the ring. And you kind of get the impression that this Hulkster, you, you can't know it in lifetime. Fair enough. But did the, did the Hulkster come back to wrestle a tag match with Brutus Beefcake? Did he really attend the WrestleMania to do that? In some ways, I think we all should have known the ending of the show.
1: <laughs> Maybe so. But uh, I wouldn't put past anything of Hulk Hogan just wanting to be with Brutus Beefcake and vice versa. Yeah. They are there together forever, it seems.
0: They got two damaged faces now. We got a mask and we got the just a grotesque eye that is just Oh my god. I don't know what happened to him in, in save in me furiously.
1: from that stupid freaking mask. Oh my god. Ugh. Oh. Everything with the mask like enrages me when I think about it, so.
0: You didn't pop for the double axe handle that hurt Ted DiBiase's arm.
1: Fuck that,
0: man. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid.
1: Uh-oh. Was, they're going on I'm like, oh, this mask is like a steel, indestructible mask. He, he can just wrestle, I guess, even though he has to wear a steel mask to wrestle. It's such nonsense. It's so stupid. It insults everything about my brain. Oh my god!
0: I had a feeling that you were going to get hot on the show. So it's, oh, it's now
1: I'm hot. I didn't even think I'd get hot, but I'm hot now. Oh my god! Oh, <laughs> this really reminded me how little. I missed Hulk Hogan, because he, ever since we got over to, what, like, 1990, 91 at least, uh, he's been insufferable, and man, he's worse than ever here, because, yeah, he's a skeleton with a black eye, he can't even do anything, he doesn't even look like anything, and still, he has to come in and, like, smash everything with no effort, just, oh, it's so absurd, it's enraging, we should be beyond this crap.
0: Guess who's into it though? Oh
1: my god, who's into it? Las Vegas
0: is into it. Ask the Undertaker and Giant Gonzalez who's into it.
1: They're uh, they're stupid. I don't care what they say. <laughs> stupid fans are causing us problems. And they're I guess they're into it, but man, compare this to like real Hogan pops, and this ain't really anything. Like they're kind of into it, but this is this is lackluster even from the crowd. I think.
0: Man, I don't know. I don't know. You heard that chant. Are you going to tell me that you didn't hear the chant when the when Giant Gazales disposes of The Undertaker?
1: God, they do chant for Hogan, don't they?
0: They do. What? And it like, is definitely... Hogan
1: has to fight every tall guy. That's just like, you know, that that's Pavlovian. You know, they just expect <laughs> Hogan every time there's a tall guy in the ring. So I don't yeah. even count that as anything.
0: Wow. Okay. Okay. Randy Savage says, quite frankly, I don't think they're even taking odds on this match. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh, worth sitting on your, the edge of your seat for.
1: Ugh, oh my god, this is so. Uh, this is Bobby Heenan. He will say in this match, "Hey, if you hit a referee, you're supposed to be suspended." But what am I saying? It's Hogan, so they'll give him a bonus. And man, it couldn't feel more true in this match because like this is out of control babyface privilege all the way through this.
0: It is, and that's how Hogan pops the crowd when he does. It's just like yeah, he can work like he can work at ten percent and just like antagonize and cheat and do things like he has set up the nicest little world for himself. Mm. Plus, you got the main event of a starcade in that ring. So how bad can it be? <laughs>
1: Jeez, I forgot. I'll say this: I forgot how messed up Hogan's eye looks.
2: It actually looks terrible. Yes.
1: I
0: guess, so I did not like looking at it when I was young because it's like the further oh. you look into it, it's like just a deep, deep sea of whatever the hell's going on in there.
1: Yeah, like it, it's definitely worse the more you look at it. So it's it's very strange. Um, what do you got this bad? You have beefcake. You oh, that mask! I it, Oh, it's <laughs> it's space metal from NASA. Like I cannot stress. And uh, how stupid this is! Just the fact that they're talking about the mask this way, like it's some kind of superpower. The fact that he's allowed to wrestle with this stupid mask on his face. Guess what? If you need to wear space metal from NASA on your face to wrestle, you shouldn't be wrestling. <laughs> also, yeah. you're terrible, so you shouldn't be wrestling for that reason. <laughs> also, so oh my god, you're right. I am hot right now. Jeez.
0: It's wild too, because like, who financed it? Money Incorporated. You know, you can't have the heels like, oh, they got super money so they can do anything they want, and then he comes in with the most high-tech thing. So, like, they got more money than Money, Inc.
1: Don't you know NASA is just full of Hulkamaniacs, and they made a <laughs> gift of that to to Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake, so, my God.
0: For one second, I thought this matchup might just be genius.
1: Ooh, all right, tell me.
0: When Jimmy Hart takes his jacket off and turns it around, and it's a referee jacket, and he counts the three, and they, they take the belts, and you know if you watch Hulk Hogan's career, he's going to take the belt without officially winning. If he was still with Money Incorporated, and he had that jacket on so he could do that, so that they could win the belts but not win the belts, that would be pretty genius.
1: Genius is one word for it. Um- <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was genius when Money Inc. just tried to leave the match early on. That, that would have been genius to me if they just got counted out in the opening, like, minutes. Um, and yeah, me- then, me- oh, my yeah. God, the official is just like, oh, if you, you'll, you'll lose your title if you get counted out, even though that's not the rules ever, but we're just going to do it for Hulk Hogan, so. Ugh,
2: this
0: that's game. what originally created. Before Babyface Privilege just became a running gag on the show, Like, it's stuff like that that created it, because you cannot, in the middle of a WrestleMania title match, change the rules like that. Like, it is so offensive. Bobby Heenan reacts the correct way to an occurrence like that. You know, we're going to see Danny Davis, who was a crooked referee, but how is that referee uh, already in the ring not a crooked referee?
1: Right, he's changing the rules, literally to favor Hulk Hogan, just on the spot. Oh, it's absurd, man. Like, everything, nothing about this match works. This is an absurd match. It's terrible. It's one of my least favorite matches I've probably ever seen. Like, it is torturous for me to watch this match.
0: The funny thing is, if it pissed anybody off, it was probably Hulk Hogan. He's like, "My God, I did not come here to win these belts. (laughs) Like, what the hell are you doing?
1: (laughs) You're right. Like, this is not really why I'm here. Um, Maybe that explains why this is so insane. Like, this is more of me thinking Hulk Hogan was just like disconnected from everything that made him great at one point. He He's just like totally lost focus on everything in wrestling because when the referee gets bumped, Ted DiBiase and IRS are still like working over Brutus Beefcake. There's no referee and Hulk Hogan is just standing on the apron, waiting for a tag, there's no ref, his friend is being mauled, his friend with, like, the broken face, where he could die at any second (laughs) when his face just collapses under the slightest touch, because they took his mask off, and it's nuts, he's just standing there on the apron. What the hell is wrong with Hulk Hogan in this era?
0: Yeah, this this was not meant to be a long return, like, Hulk Hogan is still, he's in between movies. He was already not into it, I think, when he left, and I think he's even less into it now. And so, I've never
1: seen a more disconnected Hogan than in this run. And it's not just the physique; it's not just that his face is also broken and kind of terrifying to look at. He is just like this is the logical extension of him not understanding, um, you know, like misbehaving with Sid, misbehaving with Undertaker, and just like. Going in on these decisions, which made him unpopular, and he's just like doubling down on that stupid logic right now.
0: I think it's all they got left, and it's also why it's a drag for a couple of years. It bumps WCW because uh, he's bumping them from nothing to Hulk Hogan, but you know, if he doesn't turn heel in 1996, man, we're looking at a very different world because he should have turned heel probably three or four years before that.
1: Probably so, but I will say this uh 94 95 hogan is like you know pretty bad it's like bad for wcw it's bad for me trying to watch it all that but that hulk hogan looks like a genius compared to 93 hulk hogan because the guy in this match like he shouldn't have even been in a wrestling ring like this guy should get thrown out of the business because this is the worst hulk hogan i've ever seen
0: you did pick up that he got like money ain't hired someone to 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 punch him in the eye, right?
1: Yes, I recall that they said that, so I guess uh okay. man, they should have paid him more to finish the job. We would have been <laughs> safe for this match.
0: Oh man, what a matchup. It's a very long matchup. It's uh so again, long.
1: It's agonizing.
0: And again it ends with nonsense. Danny Davis, I don't know if Danny Davis is supposed to be crooked again or or what here at the end, but he gets a whooping from Hulk Hogan, which again, like you said, you come back, you cheat the whole matchup, and then you beat up the referees because you don't like like the result.
1: I'll just say, that, that that moment you jokingly talked about as genius, but when Jimmy Hart flips that jacket around and tries to count the pen, like, are you brain dead? Why would you think that would work? <laughs> like, what is that? And, 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 and you just brought this jacket because you just assumed Hulk Hogan would, like, take out the referee, which he did. Was that actually the plan? Like... This makes my head hurt just to think about it.
0: Is this a Jimmy Hart, Danny Davis thing we're supposed to pick up on at the end, or?
1: I have no clue. Like I've seen the TV from this era, it's never mentioned. It's never anything. It's just like I don't know. They're just like making stuff up on the day, just like throwing every stupid thing they could think of into this match.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> folks. Uh, Old Money Incorporated is going to retain those belts and get the victory. So, um, and
1: the wild thing to me is that the disqualification, I assume, is because Hulk Hogan is like running around hitting people with the mask, but the mask was already in the match. like People were supposed to use the mask. It was supposed to be on his face and be part of the (laughs) match. So why is it illegal when Hulk Hogan is running around with it and hitting people? It's the same as it was before. So everything about this is so lazy and stupid. Just like a company should go out of business if they put this match on.
0: I think it just demonstrates how unfair things are for Hulk Hogan.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I guess. That's really why they fought with Danny Davis, because their their referee that loved them got bumped, and he came down and DQ'd them. So, oh, my gosh.
0: Imagine though this for, for a good life lesson. A lot of people, you got beat up the night before. You just had nothing went your way. Bruce BK had his mask removed. You didn't win the belts. Money Incorporated won. A lot of people would go home and be like, I'm done with this. This guy is going to wait in the back for his friend Bret Hart to kind of kind of watch over Bret Hart. So, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Um, after the match, we uh, get some good interactions. Yeah, they do. Hogan takes uh, the briefcase. He finds a brick in there. Bobby Heaton says, Hey, you never know when you'll need a brick. And Jim Ross says, For your tax forms? I it was funny.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I did not catch that. So I'm glad you, glad you pointed that one out.
1: Bobby it's also Ian funny also, one, bro yeah go, go ahead. ahead i was just saying bobby and also promises to uh return the case to its rightful owner when he sees it's full of money he asks for hogan to give it to him so that's nice
0: i love it i didn't know till i rewatched it like his relationship the money but you know my gosh <laughs> maybe that's why he doesn't like luger because he makes it clear several times he's only with flair for the money and uh, You know, Lord Alfred Hayes kind of revealed with that $10 a month to the mother thing that Luger might not be very – he might be a little stenchy with that money.
1: There you go. Yeah, that could be it.
0: What a shame. Uh, We go back to Todd Pettingale. He talks to Natalie Cole. He talks to the CEO, who nobody is telling the CEO to say one thing and stop.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep, very true.
0: Goes on and on. And then we go to the back. It is Gene Okerlin. He's with Mr. Perfect, who's getting ready to take on the Narcissist. Lex Luger.
1: Indeed so. This is another match that on paper looks very appealing to me. And I, gotta say, I think, I don't know if people like this match or not. I, I feel like they don't. But I, I actually do like this match quite well. So I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about it as we get into it.
0: Yeah, they're, they're talking about the very controversial forearm. Which again, because heel is winning his matches, that, that that's their only thing to go off is that he's knocking people out. You know, I think he needs a good attorney here.
1: Bobby Heenan says, uh, I swear, Lex Luger is knocking out opponents with pure power, and that's all. Randy Savage says, well, would you take a polygraph? Bobby Heenan says, I don't need one. My teeth are fine. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> that is not only a good a good little bit, but it also di- it distracts from the point, which Bobby Heenan doesn't want to answer because he knows uh, what is what. This, <laughs> is this the perfect rib, Miz fan, because Lex Luger... Mr. Perfect, unfortunately, passed away a long time ago. Yes. And Lex Luger is still doing shoots. So Luger says when he gets to WrestleMania 9, they're like, are you nervous it's your first WrestleMania? And he's like, I wasn't nervous at all. I'm wrestling Mr. Perfect. I was just kicked back, relaxing, because, like, Mr. Perfect's going to get me through the match. And then the minute they lock up, Mr. Perfect tells him, oh, my God, I forgot the entire match. <laughs> and he a makes Luger call around. the whole match in the moment
1: a lot of that going around in this era, apparently, because uh, like it's the same story with British Bulldog, right? So,
0: so Luger, but in Luger's mind, in 2021, he legitimately forgot the match, and Luger had to do the match, you know, just, and so he does not think it's a rip. So, if it's a rip, which if to me all it has to, there's no way he forgot the match, then a man who passed away that many years ago is still fooling Lex Luger <laughs> over this WrestleMania 9 matchup.
1: Well, Perfect was a known Joker, and uh, Luger, um, uh, he does seem like a guy that you'd be able to fool, so, yeah. you know, I don't know, it could easily be. Uh, if it was a rib, that's kind of a poor rib, but also uh, it's a little bit funny to think about that way.
0: Yeah. So we get an Apollo the God reference to the narcissist as he comes out. This entrance... There's so much given to this entrance, and I don't know what he's going to do with King of the Ring, but it always, like, when I watch WrestleMania 9, I feel like, forget about the All-American. This narcissist is going to be a world champion. Like, he knocked Bret Hart out. He's got all these women. He's got this mirror. He's got the fireworks when they're not giving people many fireworks, you know, and he's a heel, and he's got all this stuff going, and then he can't get out of the first round in June, so.
1: <laughs> I love the entrance here. Um, all the, the girls coming out with, like, mirror shields that should be out of, like, a video game or something. Yes. It's shooting sparks out, you know. It's, it's damn cool. I love this entrance for sure.
0: That's why I'm saying, too, though, that nobody goes with this, like, tacky yet majestic, uh, set like the narcissist <laughs> like, Slugger. This is kind of his show, and they, they got a, a theme that runs from the brunch through Mr. Perfect and all the way to the main event. So... He's always Luger's always almost on the cusp of everything.
1: <laughs> yeah, come to think, he really should have come out with like the um, like the the laced up sandals and just looking like a like a Roman centurion or something. Yeah. he would have been right at home. I think.
0: I, I am willing to admit that you know it would probably end the WWF, but part of me <laughs> won't – caesar and lex luger to be in this thing together and they never can leave caesar's palace like lex luger just (laughs) takes over the company he knocks out bret hart at the end and until the reign of lex luger is over they can't get out of that parking lot in caesar's palace
1: (laughs) (laughs) there's a certain appeal to it i will go along with that
0: Oh man! So this one, I also like that one of the women kind of like flirts with Mister Perfect uh, because it, <laughs> yes. it seems like his gimmick as a baby face with Flair and Luger is like they put on and they they try so hard, and Perfect just doesn't have to try at all or anything.
1: Right, right, yeah. Um, it's a nice touch, and Perfect uh, he re- he gets a really nice pop as well. So he, he continues does used to be very over here.
0: It's one of the better pops of the night, and that's. Yeah. We, We've said that many times with Perfect now.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, you have to wonder if he had um, kind of continued on, because he'll, he'll fade away in 93 um, before the end of the year. But uh, I don't know, like, would he have been binned anyway because he was uh, kind of from the wrong generation? Or who knows, like, he maybe could have gone up farther than he did. I love Mr. Perfect, so it's nice to think about that.
0: Yeah. I will also say we knock Savage sometimes, but when Savage is good even in the booth, I like, and a lot of times when he's appalled, but he says with such conviction in his voice, How can you call a knockout? And there's so much implication in that statement and he keeps saying things like that over and over again. And that's that's why this gimmick and this angle and this moment is so great because like, Luger just keeps winning and winning and winning and knocking out baby faces, and none of this is supposed to happen in the WWF, and they're getting angrier and angrier and angrier. They're making accusations, but they can't prove anything, and it just feels like this thing is getting ready to bubble over.
1: It does. Uh, Randy Savage says uh, not even Muhammad Ali could knock out his <laughs> opponents every time. Bobby I mean, says you don't seriously think you can compare Muhammad Ali to Lex Luger, do you?
0: <laughs> that was a nice, nice moment.
1: So uh, clearly, Heenan is giving something to the narcissist here.
2: So you got to
0: give yes. that credit. Early on, Perfect kind of runs laps on Luger. He gets his offense. He kind of sticks and runs, and Luger's kind of just in the middle. Um, when Luger hits his big slam, he gets a pop for that too. So his his baby face stuff always, I think, gets a pop no matter what gimmick he's working.
1: That's something he was good at, yeah. And uh, it's easy to pop a crowd with a big move like that. So. I'll say, if indeed uh, this match was just called on the fly with one guy, like, forgetting his life or maybe pretending to, um, it's pretty good for all that, I would say. Like, uh, there's a nice story with it. Uh, Perfect will, like, go after Luger's leg early on. Luger will have to be, like, shady. Uh, There's good bumping. There's some good striking. Like, there's some very good stuff in this match. This is probably one of my uh one of my preferred matches of the night. This might be my second favorite actually. So, there's some good stuff going on here.
0: This was another one that I enjoyed more than I remembered. Yeah, and it, I think that the that has to be true because Luger's not bragging, he's just saying like, "Oh my gosh, this, this, is, this is just his answer to like, were you nervous at WrestleMania 9?" you know. Right? So, um it's a good one. I love the ending too. Like yes. it's kind of a, like I haven't seen that much where Like, you got the backslide, the battle over the backslide, and Luger just puts one leg up and uses the rope to his advantage, and then he hits that backslide, and Perfect's legs kind of flip over in the rope, so we get a little saving grace for Mr. Perfect. It's also disarming. He just knocked out Bret Hart. He's knocked out everybody, and then he beats Mr. Perfect with a backslide.
1: Yeah, no knockout here, despite all the talking uh, about it, so... As much as I would have liked to see Mr. Perfect bump off of that uh, forearm smash, because um, he really could have done some rotations with that. Even yes. so, I, I think uh, there's some intrigue with it going a different way.
0: After the matchup, Mr. Perfect is angry and he needs to be looking out because he is going to catch a forearm. Oh, uh, yeah, Lex Luger, of again stands over him like you're not supposed to do. So this this narcissist is out of control. Um, He's come to WrestleMania and he has put his stamp own this place so like until you watch wrestlemania 10 you would think this lex luger has a good relationship with wrestlemania
1: (laughs) you might think so we'll see what happens next year um but uh yeah i forgot he does he does hit that smash and it is very nice so uh good stuff there
0: perfect gets up with an angry look on his face he goes to the back the cameras follow which i love Lex Luger, my first favorite wrestler, is standing next to my second favorite wrestler, Shawn Michaels, which just confirmed my world even more in 1993. Perfect gets one shot at Luger, puts him through some trash cans and cans and boxes, and then Shawn Michaels gets to jump on Mr. Perfect. So, again, it's a funny thing, but would Mr. Perfect have screwed Lex Luger one year later at WrestleMania 10? If it wasn't for this thing, because he doesn't really get his revenge on Lex Luger, Luger fades out, Shawn Michaels gets the attack, and somewhere in the distance, he still needs his revenge on Lex Luger.
1: That's a a very good question. Uh, I love this little bit here. It's a very, very nice thing, and uh, I do always appreciate things like this on a pay-per-view. I'll just ask you, is this moment your favorite thing on the show?
0: Oh, man, I know as a child it 100% would have been because, like, they're not working together, so they're just randomly standing together. Yeah. And so, but it's like, yeah, I knew that because, like, why wouldn't they be? Because it, And then if Luger wins the world title and doesn't last leave Caesars, then, you know, they got the world title and the IC title. But is this my favorite moment? It might be. It might be.
1: It's a very good moment. Um, I would just say thinking about their personalities now i have a hard time thinking that Shawn michaels would have a friendly chat with lex luger um yeah they they feel very far away from each other but uh it is always nice to see heels getting along
0: yeah i think luger is the one who named the click the click if that helps you out helps your (laughs) argument (laughs) that's
1: beautiful i would have guessed that was brett so good for luger for calling that out did they ever wrestle michaels and luger
0: They might have a random match. I know Luger and Diesel do, Luger and Shawn might, but if if so, it's just a random, maybe IC title match or just a kind of thing.
1: I'd still be interested to see that. Luger had a way of missing kind of like dream matches, like he never wrestled Vader, he never wrestled, you know, we talked about it, I feel like, over and over in WCW, Um, so maybe that's true here as well. If he did have that match, I would like to see it, because uh, I feel like they could do something very good together.
0: Yeah, the biggest joke in the world, beyond even SummerSlam, is that people are like, How could Lex Luger leave the WWF in such a poor way after he, they had him? They did so much for him. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> so, yeah, okay. He was in the company for, what, two and a half years, almost three years? And uh, I guess he had a program with Yoko, one with Tatanka, one with Ludwig Borga, uh, and then a tag wrestler, I think.
1: Yeah, absurd. Looks like they only ever wrestled um, on a few house shows in 95, so that is a shame. Uh, no tape matches, one-on-one. They did, oh, wow, In uh, later in 95, it was Luger and Michaels against Owen and Yokozuna on some house shows as well, so uh, that would have been interesting to see.
0: That's mind-blowing, and maybe we would have saw more of that because Davey was going heel, so Luger, you know, we might have seen some of that on TV if Luger had stayed. Yeah.
1: That would have been interesting. I would have liked to see it. Luger and Michaels, man, what would you have done as a kid with that tag team?
0: Man, I, I liked it when I saw it in '93, but Shawn Michaels for at least a little while ceased to be. I found out how where they where they ranked in the Royal Rumble 1995 when Lex Luger was the last before the Bulldog to be eliminated by Shawn Michaels, and I was like, you got this guy this. This no-name guy, this lightweight, you this, can't <laughs> win a Royal Rumble that Lexler is in. Forget that guy. So I found out where they ranked in the Royal Rumble 1995 in my personal fandom.
1: <laughs> it's a beautiful story. I can't wait to get farther
2: into that stuff.
0: <laughs> so we go to our host, our beautiful host, Gorilla Monsoon, hmm. who is talking to us about The Undertaker and Gonzalez, and uh, Bret Hart, who is the quintessential underdog. Uh, yes,
1: and it's very nice to see Gorilla Monsoon. I'm sorry you couldn't call the show, but uh, I don't know if it's his health or just uh, they want to try out Jim Ross or what, but still it's very nice to see uh, Gorilla Monsoon here.
0: He, This is where I really realized too that the forearm was just to help protect Brett because you know they're just adding it to a narrative, and it's also why most of the time I like WCW better than WWF because every time WWF does something... I read it one way and they mean it another. <laughs> it's just always like that. And to me, like, there's only one way in my mind as a fan to read. Like a guy knocking out the world champion at the WrestleMania brunch.
2: Uh-huh.
0: You know, it's not, all oh, they want to do something for the Yoko match. It has nothing to do with the guy doing it.
1: Yeah, it is extremely weird that nothing uh, came of that beyond that. I guess the fact that it kind of happened in a place where it almost didn't exist, um, is the reason, but you, th- you'd think something would have come out of that, like, what are Brett and Luger doing after this, like, if they'll go to King of the Ring eventually, but that's months away, so you'd think they would at least have some conflict in the meantime?
0: Yeah, I think they worked some house shows, but I don't think they did much on TV.
1: Yeah, probably not, mm.
0: So we're now up to one of the bigger matches on the night. Uh,
1: <laughs> Literally bigger. Yeah. So. This
0: is one that I was you know, very much uh, kind of dreading. And to me, this was better than Royal Rumble. I'll put it that way.
1: <laughs> than their uh, moment in the Rumble, at least.
0: Yeah, like whatever yeah. they did it. Because I just never in my life get the impression that Giant Gonzalez wants to hurt anybody. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's probably true. Um, Here's some more evidence that he really is El Gigante, though. uh, Bobby Heenan says if he laid down right now, his feet would be at the airport and his head would be touching the Hoover Dam.
0: God, that's so beautiful. And that that doesn't even mention his arms.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Who knows where they would be? Yeah, absolutely. It's
0: true. That's what imaginative people see and say, you know, This is so literal, like, oh, he's a giant, so he's a giant monster. He's a hairy giant monster. And we'll talk about the match. Undertaker, of course, did not want to work. Giant Gonzalez, and it's not going to be a great match because it's Giant Gonzalez. But to me, the one thing the match lacked, if anything, to me, was not the match. It was the fact that the more that they really tried to destroy the Undertaker... I want to know why they're trying to destroy the Undertaker. Like it's, it's always like they've got some kind of link with him, but then you realize no, they don't. They're just doing it for no reason. But we're acting like they have a real, real solid reason.
1: Yeah, in a perfect world, maybe we would know that. Um, you know, when the Undertaker was raised from the dead, it also like brought forth this Eldritch abomination <laughs> who crawled out of a cave and like had to hunt him down. But uh, sadly, we'll never know if that's the truth or not.
0: Yes. That's beautiful. Okay, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Randy Savage saying perfect and Bret Hart knocked out in the same day. It just feels like there's so much implication.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. You get so the memo was, that
1: that wasn't supposed to, you know, be a talking point? So. <laughs>
0: yeah. John Gonzalez is coming out, man. He's taller than like like rows of crowd. He's taller than the rope standing on the floor. So.
1: I will always have a small uh, soft spot for, for El Gigante and Giant Gonzalez, even, like, with the weird gimmick and the outfit, just because there is a spectacle to this guy, you know? he He's always going to be what he is in the ring, you know? His outfit, you know, that's going to be what it is. I, I think I agree with you. This match is a bad match, obviously. It kind of has to be, but it's also not as bad as I think some people make it out to be. So I I got a small... Um, appreciation for this match. Very small, but it's there.
0: I could watch it again and not be bothered, whereas there are some matches that are probably better than this that like I just don't feel like watching again. <laughs> so. I'll tell
1: you, if you watch this and watch the uh, tag title match, you can't honestly tell me that this is worse between those yeah. two. I, I will disbelieve you and not take you seriously if you say that.
0: If you don't believe in babyface privilege, let's hear this... Randy Savage, Jr. both have two lines as the camera's cut from Undertaker, who has this big entrance coming out in pure darkness and a bird, and then we cut to Giant Gonzalez after that. So, Randy Savage says of The Undertaker, a man who surrounds himself in darkness, yet sheds so much light. Then we cut to Giant Gonzalez, and J.R. says, there's a monster. <laughs> 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 you know? Uh,
1: absolutely. <laughs> That's not nice. Um, I'll say this though, and not, not for the only time we mentioned this a few times, another great entrance here for the Undertaker. Cause this is where yeah. he's got like the bird and kind of the whole, like the vibe of it. It's just, it's very cool. You know, it's actually great.
0: I think Undertaker and Hogan might be the only ones that get that little Wizard of Oz smoke under the curtain before they come out too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's nice. And no, no Oz, no Kevin Nash, please. So.
0: <laughs> this is just, I love, One of my favorite things in the history of professional wrestling is the sit-down interviews with uh, Jim Ross and uh, Mankind.
1: Sure.
0: And this is the beginning. This is Jim Ross's first night, and he calls this guy a monster. And part of what Mankind is is addressing is like this. He's a monster. He likes pain. So that narrative has already started that they're going to pick up on. And I, wish
1: I wish he'd done some sit-down interviews with John Gonzalez. I would like to see that.
0: Yes. John Gonzalez never had to be a good wrestler. The, like, I, I guarantee you, if he was just a guy who hung out in AEW, he would be over.
1: <laughs> I don't know. They like their uh, their match quality in AEW, so maybe he would fall over on that. But if he didn't wrestle and just stood there, I don't know. Maybe. It's possible.
0: That's what you got to do with someone. Like that little guy, uh, I guess they like his little jumping around, but Sting is another example. There are people who don't do anything except be a presence, and that's what you need to do. You didn't need to put fake hair on him. You <laughs> needed to, like, find a way to get people to like him, and then, you know, that's all you need. But
1: Was that, a, uh, was that a Hook reference that I detected there?
0: <laughs> it's whoever's with Jungle Boy and...
1: Uh, oh, you're thinking of Marco Stunts, right? That guy looks like a little kid.
0: Yeah, like, he's sometimes just there. He's not always doing stuff. Yeah, I think that
1: yeah, that might be for the best. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough.
0: But that's what you need, and I think wrestling was not sophisticated enough at this time. You didn't have people just hanging out. But I mean that about Gonzalez, Kamala, Doink. Like, these are guys, like like I said, and this is, partly I've, I've stolen this from my younger brother, who was quite a genius when he booked his uh, wrestling figure promotion. <laughs> But like he would have a crew that would just hang out in the crowd during his shows, and they, they would just entertain and have storylines going on, and they would never work matches. And so I think it's, <laughs> I think it's very easy to do that, and it's charming if you do it right. But you know I don't think a company in this time could even conceive of something like that.
1: Indeed, um, I like it, I like it. Here, um, put John Gonzalez in that uh, Diesel role that we're gonna come soon, where he just kind of stands near. Shawn Michaels, and then, uh, I don't know, maybe you got something there.
0: Yeah, those arms.
1: Diesel can never
0: match this, man. Yep. <laughs> those, gloves, those gloves would not fit the hands of the giant Gonzalez.
1: I'll say this. If Shawn Michaels had brought Gonzalez to uh, WrestleMania 10 instead of Diesel, he could have just reached up there, taking the belt down from the floor, and just handed it to Michaels.
0: Man, would that have been the end of Shawn and Razor? Like, they just... They're about to have the classic matchup that changes everything. They're just staring each other down, and then the, an the arm comes through the curtain and just grabs <laughs> them out and takes them away.
1: Oh, uh, it would have worked out better for Michaels. So there you go.
0: And what one two three kid and and his crew would have got to work their match on the show.
1: Yep, yep. Uh, there you go. Oh, I didn't know they got cut. I'm gonna have to look for that when we get there.
0: So we got this matchup, this grudge matchup undertaker again like Giant gonzalez is the worst selling thing i've ever seen right like but like undertaker is doing his damnedest then so like they have the little choke off and then undertaker goes on the second rope to try to match him um we get that little arm uh maneuver which of course the, i pop for because it's giant gonzalez's arm so that was <laughs> that was something um or either are either of them human bobby Heenan and nasty at wrestlemania 9 uh, Jim Ross says, never in my career has he seen anything like this. And then Bobby King <laughs> says, yeah, but your career is three hours long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because, of course, no, nothing exists outside the WWF. So it's funny. I was just thinking, it's two WCW guys in there again, technically. So yeah. that's interesting.
0: Uh, Ross, or who is this? I don't know. I don't have my quote on this. Someone says, that bird better get out of here because, oh, this is Bobby Heaton. Um, uh, he can eat his dindin off the floor at one point when the Undertaker has been demolished. <laughs> That's
1: a
2: good line, absolutely.
0: It's a shocking moment if nothing else. Like, did anybody think you got people? This is the beginning of this thing where like you got people dressed up like the Undertaker, only at WrestleMania to see the Undertaker like destroy, take another soul, basically,
2: mm.
0: and nobody thinks that the Undertaker is going to be laid out and put on a stretcher, so the match could suck, John Gonzalez could suck, but, to me, until The Undertaker comes back, like, I think they created a real tension, and a real shock, uh, for the fans in that build, or, in that place.
1: It would have, been more compelling, I think, if not for the way he, winds up on that stretcher, because I gotta Mm -hmm. say, the chloroform, gimmick, never works for me, I think it scans poorly, it doesn't get over well, um, It's just odd, like, I don't know, it doesn't do it for me, so, I get what you're saying, I think there's some aspect of that, but I wish that Gonzalez had just, like, knocked him out somehow, but instead it's, like, the chloroform, so, it's, I don't know, it's kind of weird.
0: He does a number on that poor little referee.
1: (laughs) Referees having a bad time tonight, so, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He also tries to uh, tries to swat some referees on the floor while he's standing in the ring, which is a, a nice moment.
1: I'm surprised he didn't get them, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, so then we get our Hogan chance, but we're not going to get Hulk Hogan. We're going to get the power of the urn, which we are still teasing. This is a long, long, long build for what is going on with the urn and the Undertaker. Undertaker disheveled, just returns, kind of leaning sideways. And he comes in and lays this giant to rest, basically. Uh, The Undertaker reclaims the ring. Giant Gonzalez has to eventually flee. And so I guess the show goes on. Yeah.
1: Trying to piece out the whole mythology of the Undertaker is one of my main goals in this series. And I know it's a fool's errand because at different times it's different things. But I'm going to try anyway. We're going to see what happens.
0: It's worthwhile. And this was... It meant something to have a long build. Like I was genuinely curious about how that was. The power of the urn. Is anybody in the urn? Like what's going on with the urn? It's just like the doink. I don't know why they kept saying like Bobby Heenan every time Doink wrestle says, "Who is this guy? Who is that under the mask?" Like you know we're supposed <clears throat> to know somebody. And those things like those things sit with you if you like a long build.
1: Yes, it's unfortunate when. uh Often nothing comes of it, but still, you know, even if they never tell you what comes of it, there's some truth behind it that you you may be able to puzzle out if you try hard.
0: It is, though. It's worth, it's worth uh, chasing because The Undertaker's had a magnificent career. He's been a heel world champion. He's now been a babyface, and, you know, he is in some ways that almost the Hulk Hogan, only Hulk Hogan figure left besides Hulk Hogan, who won't go away.
1: And who is not a Hulk Hogan figure anymore. How do
0: you hurt The Undertaker? How do you beat The Undertaker? Because he currently has a magical power where you can't overcome him.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, (laughs) this is a win, quote unquote, for The Undertaker in his streak because the the DQ. Um, So I guess one way to beat him is with chloroform because he goes down for a while, but then he does come back. So we don't know uh how effective that is on a dead person so
0: yeah and like you said it might be a fool's errand but one given the stuff put in front of us one wonders so is does it have to he has to be conscious i guess <laughs> like he, he he can be destroyed to the point where nobody should get up but the power the can give him power but it seems like if he's unconscious then whatever draws him cannot draw him
1: Yeah, I guess we know he breathes also, despite being dead. He must have breathed in that chloroform, so something's going on
2: there.
0: I don't know what the point of this is exactly, because like I said, for a while it seemed like the point was you need to take Giant Gonzalez seriously, whether you do or not, because he just bested the Undertaker. Uh But the Undertaker just kind of comes back out and whoops him, so like, (laughs) really I don't see a need to go to another matchup, to be honest.
1: I guess uh, we're gonna get one. God, all the way at SummerSlam, I think, just so Undertaker can get a proper win. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of Undertaker. Like, I don't remember how he wins that match. I don't know how he can win it because I don't think he hit a tombstone or a choke no. slam or like anything on this guy. You know, you you can't hit a move on him because you have to, like, call a taxi to get to the right part of his body. To, like, <laughs> do the move. So, how do you do it? You know, I don't know. I'm going to have to watch that match again.
0: It's got to be a flying clothesline or an urn or something.
1: I hope it's not a plane because that's all he's going to hit, I think.
0: I don't know if I've ever watched it. I don't think I've watched anything on SummerSlam except the mini event.
1: Oh, wow. All right. Well, we're going to get there, and it's going to be uh, – it'll be something. It'll be interesting.
0: I don't know if I've watched King of the Ring. If I did, it was, like, probably a year or two after on when we found a Coliseum home video. But
1: I remember some good stuff on the show. There's a Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect rematch on that show that I love, so we're going to definitely be talking about that soon.
0: Yep. Uh, Gino's in the back. He says, thank you, Jimmy Ross, and he is uh, <laughs> talking about The Undertaker, The Destruction that the Undertaker has caused in the, or excuse me, Yokozuna has caused in the WWF. And I was wondering, like, does he talk to Yoko or does he talk to Bret Hart? And the answer is no.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Hulk Hogan, folks, and he has been, he went and he, 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 he looked at the Hitman, and by God, when he looked in the eyes of Bret Hart, he decided that Hulkamania was not even that, that not even that powerful of a thing because this Bret Hart, have you heard about him? You heard about the Hitman? He's uh He's got a real power in his eyes, and Bret Hart and Hulk Hogan just was consumed by it, and it has caused him to want to challenge the winner of the main event tonight.
1: Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe we really should have known what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good Lord.
0: Ugh. It's funny, though, and I this might be me reading thing, too much into things, and I apologize. It's just rustling, folks. But this same, the same Hulk Hogan... Uh, this this character that looked into the eyes of Bret Hart and questioned his own power after all these years. He actually did an interview while he was doing movies and not doing WWF, where he said, They've got a champion, this guy Bret Hart, who couldn't even lace my boots. But that was before he looked in Bret Hart's eyes, apparently.
1: Why am I not surprised that he said that and that they brought him back anyway to do this? It's like there's no Uh, I was gonna say there's no loyalty. I don't even know if there should be, but God, just uh, you've got a guy who's out there and he's gonna trash your champion, and he'll come back and give this like insincere, stupid (laughs) promo about you know, oh, I looked in his eyes and like I don't even believe you talked to him that day or maybe (laughs) ever. Uh, So, plus, if you had to look in your eyes, I'm sorry because you still look (laughs) terrible. Um, That's
0: right. Well, how are you even assessing it, Hulk Hogan? That gross eye of yours.
1: Yeah. It sucks. It's all this Hogan stuff is so bad.
0: If this wasn't like an old school super nintendo rpg and like the, back in the day the church would always be like where you go to be healed and then the church would also be the villains and the priest would be a monster that that eye i think would be the beginning of the monster coming out of hulk hogan for his behavior
2: oh
1: absolutely there's a demon or something in him and it's, it's <laughs> causing him to uh rot from the inside oh my god it's
0: a demon of success apparently because he is a soon to be a five-time wwf champion but you know who can know it at this moment because he's just back there giving his opinion before the world title match. when we don't hear from Bret Hart or Yokozuna. He
2: should have worn an eye patch or something.
1: I honestly, yeah. like it, that's just the kind of stupid prop that I feel like Hogan would wear anyway. And he would probably make it work. It would have been better than looking at his fucked up face. <laughs> oh my God.
0: Maybe also check on Bruce Beefcake who had his mask removed and, you know, could lose <laughs> his face. Maybe, maybe go worry about that for a moment or two. Uh,
1: I love – I didn't even say this before, but, like, your guy who – your friend, his face could, like, fall apart at any moment. When you get the mask, you don't give it back to him. You just, like, run around, like, smashing people <laughs> with it. So good job, man. Good friendship. Jeez.
0: Oh, man. So we go back to Todd Pettingale and he is again in the crowd. Again, the fans do not care. They're not listening to him. They don't even – they probably just think some, some fan is just walking around asking <laughs> questions. They're not having it. So now we go from that.
2: Yeah,
1: I was just like, who even knew Todd at this point? Like, I guess he'd been around, but I don't think most people watch Manias, so he must have just been a real stranger to them. He's no Sean Mooney, I'll say that.
0: No, He's no Sean Mooney. No, who is a Sean Mooney? Who is except Sean, Sean Mooney, Mooney, Mooney stands
1: alone. I agree.
0: I question if Hulk Hogan would have behaved this way if Sean Mooney had been around. <laughs> he brings a more professional vibe to the workplace than the in the world of Todd Pettingale and that and that. That magazine writer, you know, just anything can happen in the night, so.
1: <laughs> with, with Gene Okerlund around to enable him, Hulk Hogan can do anything, though. Yes. You know, he'll say anything, with the b- number one Hulkamaniac interviewing him.
0: And how about that nasty Gene Okerlund, because he's, he's been, like, priming us on Bret Hart for, like, six months now, <laughs> and that's <laughs> over.
1: Well, you know, by priming, you mean uh, talking about his attendance record, you know, so.
0: Yes. Okay, so we're about to go to the main event, and I will say – I don't know how many times I wrote down words like genius and impressive because I will give Bret Hart something before I also maybe make some other arguments. But I will say that this is, again, the Bret Hart that I have not seen in this title reign, and it's – everything he does seems to be perfectly planned.
1: Yeah, I think this is actually a very good match. I I don't know what the reputation of the match is, but uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was very good at times, and uh, it's probably my third favorite match of the night, I would say.
0: Yeah, this is a big—it weirdly has a big feel right before it because, again, yeah, how what does Bret Hart do to Yokozuna? I don't believe he can do anything— and this is a lesson for those of folks who enjoy psychology and were just like, oh, they're they're, they're, they're stupid and they they, <laughs> you know, they need to go watch Frazier if they want psychology or whatever whatever people say, I you mean, know. You
1: should but watch like, Frasier, but I, I get you.
0: <laughs> Bret Hart, the way he approaches this match is is about the most believable thing I've ever seen in my life.
1: Yeah, so strategic, like uh, going after the leg, which you may think is uh, obvious, but like doing it in such creative ways, like he'll tie it up in the rope, he'll try different leverage, he'll try different momentum moves. He is so on point in this match. He's the anti-Hogan who like doesn't care about anything, who is never in the moment in this era. He is the opposite of that because he is so invested in making this match as good and as smart as it can
2: be.
0: Yeah. I will also say on the other end of that, you do get Andre vibes. Zuna comes yes. out and the fans audibly react to him all the time. And then Bobby Heenan says that the clouds are forming over the place right as Joko walks out. And by God, they're not when I looked up, but I pretended like they were because it felt <laughs> like they were.
1: I feel like my, my image of this match is more like cloudy than the other matches on the card. Yeah. So maybe, maybe I think it some gets truth. there. Yeah.
0: And then there's a very wholesome moment. Like, go back and watch when Bret Hart gives his sunglasses. I usually don't even care about that, but when he gives it to that, the sunglasses to that Bret Hart fan, mm. like that's how that made it, that makes it worthwhile because like, he made that kid's life when he did that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, connecting with the fans is something Bret Hart was definitely able to do. So that's, that's a nice moment as well. And, um, I'll say, yeah, the presentation of this, I think, is lost in the aftermath, but it's very good in the moment, I think. And uh, I, I absolutely do give credit to them for that. To Brett Antiochazuna, who I agree just is nailing the presentation here. And, you know, something about it just works. And he's, oh, well, he's not Japanese, he's Samoan. Yes, okay. But, like, just look at how well it's working. You know, something about it just works, I think. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'll tell you who would not give up this push would be Yokozuna. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You want to talk iconic moments. Like Bret Hart running across the ring and starting the match with that push-off drop kick is so beautiful.
1: So good, yeah. I remember that well.
0: (laughs) We see the other side of that then because, like, whatever he gave in that push-off drop kick, he got back in a shoulder tackle by Yokozuna right after that. (laughs) and So it's just – it's authentic. You can feel it. The strategies are being formed. Um and I love the first time he gets the best of Yoko. And remember, we're talking about a Yoko that has barely gone off his feet. A Yoko that has has destroyed Hacksaw Jim Duggan, like done something to Hacksaw that's never been done. And so the first time Bret Hart's outside the ring, Yoko tries to go through the second rope. Bret Hart grabs his leg. He takes that leg, puts it under the bottom rope. So it's not even Bret Hart. It is Bret Hart and the rope that gets Yoko Zuna taken down, which gives the fans a pop. It gives Bret Hart a chance, and it takes zero away from Yokozuna.
1: Yeah. I think the real tragedy of this is if they had just gone with this match and not the Hogan thing, I think both Bret and Yokozuna would have come off so much better for it because if you came away remembering this performance instead of, like, the damp fart that's going to come after the match, (laughs) I think both guys would have benefited a lot.
0: It's, man, it's, it's a good one. You, you're right in that. I don't know how I feel about that because I have my own biases here, and it probably come from my feelings towards Bret Hart and also watching his first title ring. This is the first time I feel like he's a world champion, and it's also the end, which is that's ironic. We're running through our literary terms uh, today. But, my God, if you do take away whether whatever happens at the end, if you put this to the side and you just concentrate on this match – I don't think the match itself gets the credit that it deserves.
1: I absolutely agree with that. Um, Yoko
0: uh, Yeah. Yoko does... i would say real quick. Yoko does a simple leg drop and the fans act like he just, like, jumped off the top of, like, a, sta- a stadium or something.
1: <laughs> that's what... It looks devastating when he drops that leg. My God. Um, it's very good stuff. And I'll just say for Brett looking good here, I mean, we talked before, like, some people just struggle when they are the world champion when they have that pressure on them and when that pressure is off they actually perform better i think for brett that will not be true later on but maybe it is true at this part of his career because ever since he won the title yeah his performances have not quite been as good and now like yeah he does so well here and he's going to do so well kind of moving forward so it's interesting to think about
0: and knowing brett Hart too, probably knowing what's going to happen tonight probably kind of uh, put a little step in his uh, in his try.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, based on knowing what would happen, he could have tanked it or he could have tried even harder, and I think it was very much the latter.
0: There are two things he does after this to take Yoko down, and they are as, uh, they're as similar and opposite as they can be, and I love both of them. So one time he is on the top rope, and he just jumps on the back of Yoko and rides him down to the mat mm. in the way I've only ever seen this with, like, children who have toddlers and are playing with them and letting them win. Like <laughs> it's so beautiful. There's no finesse to it. It's just like, I'm going to jump on your back and ride your back and hope you fall down. And then the other one is the opposite It's all finesse and it's beautiful. And it's also iconic because it's in my brain from 93 till now. And that is when he jumps off the top rub right and hits that bulldog on Yokozuna.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, I, I remember that spot as well. And yeah, uh... Oh, there's there's just a lot of good to be said about this match. I really don't think it gets credit, as you say, because uh, I don't think people look at this match very well at all, which I think is nuts, but uh, mm. I think a lot of it is just the aftermath, and I get that. How can you take this match seriously, knowing what's going to happen afterwards, but if you can divorce from that, I think you'll find a lot to appreciate.
0: Yeah, and they do what they can, I think, to protect them, even though like, it's going to be washed away at the end, but... Bret Hart has been beat up twice before the match, and now Bret Hart is going to get the advantage by putting Yoko into the exposed steel. So Yoko goes down that way; he falls on his stomach, which is just the opportune moment uh, for Bret Hart to do the thing that Bobby Heenan never thinks he can do to his opponents, which is put the sharpshooter on Yokozuna.
1: (laughs) And he actually does, kind of. Yeah. So (laughs) there's
0: a there's a desperation here; like Bret is like pulling for all that he's got. Mr. Fuji's just taking his time, but man, you gotta watch Fuji. He's gonna take that salt out. He's gonna throw it into the eyes of Bret Hart, who is gonna huddle up into himself. is gonna crawl over and get the pin. He's gonna defeat Bret Hart. He is going to become, for the first time, the World Wrestling Federation champion and the first heel to seemingly end WrestleMania with a victory.
1: Absolutely so. Uh, you gotta watch out. For Fuji, because he's the master of those condiments. If it's not the mustard, yeah. it's the salt. So. <laughs> oh,
0: dear. And Bobby Heenan said it was just another illusion. So. <laughs> who knows?
1: <laughs> uh, who knows? Indeed. Um, yeah, a heel victory in the main event of WrestleMania, uh, or is it?
2: Ugh,
0: this I will tell you Yo one Kizuna's thing about this
1: moment. So I'm I'm sad about this.
0: This fella Hulk Hogan is no Papa Shango when it comes to getting down to ringside.
2: Ugh. Well, I think he's
0: there before the three count. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, for all of Hulk Hogan not being on the ball, he at least uh, got to the ring on time, unlike Papa Shango. Oh, my God, how embarrassing, just to remember that. That was a year ago, if you can believe it.
0: The worst thing about it might be the fake drama of, like, Hogan standing up. like, do I stand over Brett, my friend for one minute, Brett Hart, or do I go for the belt? Like, we just mentioned that he forsook like his broken-faced friend earlier in the night, for (laughs) nothing. So is he going to stand there and look at Bret Hart, or is he going to go after the WWF title?
1: And this is doubly absurd, because has Hulk Hogan ever spoken to Bret Hart on screen one time? I don't think so. so. They have no established relationship beyond Hogan's word that he looked at his eye once. Um, yeah he, he
0: threw he threw Michaels and Brett around in the locker room, I think one time,
1: yeah, right, so like they have no positive history together. I remember that, yeah, he threw around like I was so absurd, so
0: um, I will say that one thing is authentic here, and it matches the legacy series. <laughs> the worst manager in the history <laughs> of professional wrestling is Mr. Fuji.
1: <laughs> Did I not predict this early on, is that Mr. Fuji um would canonically be like the manager you don't want to have, and I, I appreciate Mister Fuji, but yeah, if you looked at him with like a performance evaluation eye,
0: <laughs> my would, lord, would
1: not grade him well, I think, for his manager work.
0: It's just a man who hates championships. Like, he, he he, betrayed tag team champions to work with people who were not champions. Yep. And, like, you're not 30 seconds. You just won the WWF title. And nobody's asking you to wrestle Hulk Hogan. And you're trying to provoke Hulk Hogan. And before you can even respond to fighting Yokozuna, you double up with, we'll put the WWF title on the line.
1: Oh, it's absurd. There's no reason for it. Mr. Fuji just throws this challenge out there. And, uh, Hogan, well, he couldn't forget about Brett fast enough, and poor Brett, <laughs> man, it's a tragic scene to me, to watch Brett, like, motioning Hogan, yeah, go, go fight yeah, him, go. you know, just, just absurd, it has nothing to do with the Bret Hart character, it's just, uh, it's, it's sad to watch, it's a little painful to even think about.
0: It is. Uh, knowing Brett now it's also hilarious, but, you know, that's a different, <laughs> uh, would say that. different piece, uh, but, <laughs> What is it with Lex Luger? Like, this is, what is this, April, May, June? So, like, within three months, we have a Yokozuna whose manager is pretty much handing the belt to whoever wants it. Like, please take this belt from me. <laughs> in three months, he'll have a manager who's, like, putting hidden clauses in contracts where you can never wrestle for the belt again.
1: Yeah, no wonder. Uh, they called Jim Cornette. You know, they they really needed him here, I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yoko, even Yoko's face is like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, he's not even
1: into this, so Fuji really hangs him out to dry here.
0: There's also, so Hulk Hogan comes back, of course, and my God, what a beautiful scene when, like, oh, Bret Hart's dying, he just leaves him where he's standing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, don't miss Elizabeth, cup- I'll say that.
0: Uh, You might ask how did Bret Hart get back to the uh, dressing room? I don't know because the camera left him and never returned to him.
1: Never returned. He just ceased to be. Oh, my God. It's embarrassing to even think about this because, like, how could a company undercut itself so much to give the. Bret Hart, this guy they've invested all this stuff in, they're going to throw him out the window. Yokozuna, this guy they've invested all this stuff in, he's going to get beaten in like five seconds and they're given the title to this guy who comes from an era which shouldn't even exist anymore. Like, they binned everyone else who existed in his era. He weighs about 90 pounds. His face looks like it went through, like, the meat thrasher. And he's just going to be your champion again. It's, it's insane. Like, even just... I know, it's Hulk Hogan. And, like, he defies logic. And, like, he's the golden goose. He's crapping out golden eggs before. But, man... It's just wild to think about this. It's so just self damaging. Like they couldn't have hated their own company more to do this. Just it's unreal to me to even think about it.
0: So if we take Hogan out of this, who goes over in your mind,
1: who should... give him a year long reign, man. He earned it. Like he's awesome.
0: Okay. That is the only argument I will tolerate and step back from, because to me, that's a good argument. Um, I don't see how, because to me, the Bret Hart title reign, like There's nobody that works in the business that said they gave Bret Hart the title because he deserved it at, at this time. I think he stepped up at WrestleMania. But like, if he beats Yokozuna, he's not that necessarily more made, and I don't know where he goes from there. But if Yokozuna beats him, and I guess a year later it's going to be what it's going to be, and Bret Hart beats him, you got a direct channel to that feud. So I can see that argument.
1: I, I absolutely think that's how it should have been, you know. And we talked before, you could easily still have Hogan challenge Yokozuna, um, you know, in your European tour that you love so much, and they can fight a king of the ring even if you really want him to, but for him to come in and win the title this way, it's just awful. It should have been Yokozuna's moment all the way down the stretch, all the way to next year, and then if Bret Hart's ready, sure, you know, give him back the title, but man, this should have been all Yokozuna, in my opinion.
0: I think the only offense I've ever heard in my life, and maybe we're becoming more sophisticated, but like it's always been like, oh look what Hogan did to Bret Hart. But like, if he stepped on anybody's run, he stepped on Yokozuna's more than Bret Hart because this is Yoko's moment. This is Yokozuna's uh, crowning moment. And maybe there was a time I think that our minds like couldn't know that a heel could win, and we know that now. <laughs> but like I said, this man threw Randy Savage out. To win the Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. He made the... he saw Jim Duggan cough up blood. Put the American flag on him. And send him home. He's going to beat uh, Hulk Hogan. Like I think you go Andre with this guy. until Until there's time for another champion. I think you go Andre with this guy. And you just make him everything that he can be. And I looked at him. And maybe it's because I watched that documentary. A few months ago with Yoko. But... You know, what a beautiful moment for him to put a belt on his shoulder and to be the champion at the end of WrestleMania. Mm. That's Uh, a special moment. Absolutely. Yeah, go ahead. Like, I I know your opinion is different than mine and probably everybody listening because, like, oh, Hogan stepped on Bret Hart. But Bret Hart, I don't know what Hogan or WWF owed Bret Hart. So that's where I'm not going to be able to agree with people because what did he step on exactly?
1: (laughs) I think the way it was done he shamed them both he shamed brett and yokozuna because i i I can't let go of that moment where brett hart has to like motion him on and then like you said he will just fall off the face of the earth he didn't deserve that but you and i are aligned thinking that he actually did worse to yokozuna and people don't think about that as much because of where yoko and brett kind of exist in the history of wrestling um But, yeah, in the moment, and certainly from my own perspective, uh, it's far worse for Yokozuna because how embarrassing, something that never could have happened to Andre, like in his wildest dreams, how embarrassing is that he will lose this match in like a few seconds. And, yeah, Fuji like throws the salt in his eyes because, like he said, he hates titles. He wants to lose the title (laughs) as fast as possible. But, geez, from all I've seen of Yokozuna, you could throw like. Salt, pepper, ketchup, mustard, pickles, like, everything in his face. And he wouldn't lose in, like, five seconds to Hulk Hogan or to anybody because he's freaking Yokozuna. Like, he can't kick out because he got salt in his eyes. It's stupid, you know? It's it's so damaging to Yokozuna. And I'm just glad he's going to, like, sit on Hulk Hogan until Hulk Hogan goes off and has to join another company. That's the only justice that we have in this situation. But in some ways, it's going to be too little too late.
0: That's partly why I don't get as mad, is because we'll get to it, at King of the Ring. But that's an iconic thing that's gonna happen, you sure. know, eventually. And we know why Hogan did it because he might like Hogan's always leveraging another return. He's very smart. Um, here's what I'll ask. I'll ask you and I'll ask the listeners because, of course, if you're Bret Hart, you feel pissed off at WrestleMania, and I don't blame you. Like he made he made a sting out of Bret Hart, and we've already talked about uh <laughs> Sting Sting the Clown because, but. The, the fervent argument that Brett Hulk Hogan owed Bret Hart, he owed putting Bret Hart over, having losing to Bret Hart. Like, I have never understood that argument. I would like for someone to convince me that it's Hulk Hogan's job to put Bret Hart over, and if he doesn't do it, then somehow he's done something against the hitman.
1: I think. If Hogan had been around in 94, when I think Bret Hart is going to be more, like, into his own, I think it would have made more sense. In 93, it's not really part of Bret's narrative, but I I agree with you that his title reign was not very successful. Uh, It didn't really seem to be where they needed to go. So to say it should have happened in 93, I feel, is a bit of, like, a history rewriting moment. Like... You know, you think of Bret Hart like in the whole scope of his career. Oh, Hogan should have put him over. Well, yes, maybe at some point if the timing had been right. But in 93, I agree. I don't really see it. Um, So I don't know. It's very easy to dump on Hogan, and it's very well-deserved. But uh, that one in particular, yeah, I I don't fully agree with.
0: That's the only thing I think has caused me to come in with my defenses up is the fact that all I've ever heard, I, you know, like, I'll just, this whole thing sucks because Hogan did this at the end of the show. I can go with that. Like, I can see why Yoko would be offended, why Brett would be offended, by fans of Bret Hart would be offended. But, like, the great offense that I've heard all the years is, like, oh, well, Hulk Hogan screwed Bret Hart by not putting him over. But, like, it's not Hulk Hogan's job to put him over. And there's even some di- some evidence that possibly that, like, it was never even supposed to happen, you know. So, I can't go with that, and it makes no sense to me, and that's just the one thing I think that bothers me, and I think it got worse. I want to say this about Bret Hart because hopefully there's a lot of Bret Hart praise coming. I don't know – like a lot of people think that when he when they push Luger, that's when Bret just becomes like the best match of the night machine, and that's how it gets over. Like I said, I didn't watch a lot of the middle of this year. Um, I definitely know that when he gets into a feud with Owen Hart, that puts a rocket on his back, so mm-hmm. to speak. But the thing that offends me, I heard Bret Hart on the radio, on radio in Canada, mm-hmm. talking about Ric Flair being one of the most overrated wrestlers of all time. Mm-hmm. And you know what year that was? Tell me. 1993. Mm-hmm. So... Ric Flair put this man over when he definitely did not deserve it. Like, even the WWF says, like, hey, he wasn't ready to be champion yet, but we needed to go with a whole different direction. And then less than a year later, you're saying the guy who put you over when you really didn't deserve it is the most overrated wrestler of all time, and he always runs to Canada to do these things. So then, like, you're going to be pissed off because Hulk Hogan doesn't put you over. But the guy who you didn't even really deserve to beat at that time did that for you, and you're going to bury him the rest of your life. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's hard for me to get on board with that.
1: I can understand your perspective. I feel as well, like Ric Flair, let's not pretend he put over Brett out of the goodness of his heart or anything. You know, I don't think he had the leverage to say no. Um so he put over Brett, fair enough. Brett doesn't like Flair, doesn't like his style, that's well known. He has his right to an opinion, plus Flair is off in another company now, so it's sort of like the law that you're supposed to disparage him anyway. Um I don't know. So I guess I'm not so offended by that. But uh, as far as the larger point goes um, of uh, Hogan not putting over Brett, yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with you. The The narrative definitely is like, oh, Hulk Hogan was the ace, and now Bret Hart was the ace immediately after. Whereas historically, that's completely untrue. He, he was sort of like a default ace at times, but WWF was constantly trying to replace him. So it's not like it was in their kind of playbook that they should put over bret hart that way anyway so i don't know it's a weird kind of tangled up situation
0: i think when we see him in a year it will only be more obvious of what you just said Mm. um the other thing is this whole kogan fellow man he he really shined at the end but how about fuji like i've never heard a narrative about the fact that fuji really beat uh brett hart for the title it was fuji's offense yeah and then fuji beat yoko for the title <laughs> so how about fuji
1: <laughs> fuji the difference maker uh in good and bad ways yeah that's salt i guess man that's better than i thought it would be that's a kill move just use that yeah. salt i guess you can't recover from that
0: it's like when did uh Flair start using the i think liz and woman's heels or the coffee. The like hot These, coffee, things, these yes. things have a power for a little while.
1: <laughs> oh, no one is prepared for salt in the eyes. It's too damaging. So, oh my God, Fuji, you you ridiculous man.
0: I think it's the desperation maybe of the WWF, but like, it's one thing to have a Hulk Hogan chant and not give people something. It's another thing to have a Hulk Hogan chant and give him the whole like the whole kingdom, <laughs> and so. I think there's something that's almost naked in this. Like, this is almost the great triumph and the great failure all standing next to each other. Because I can see in a desperate WWF why you would play this card again. Yeah. I can see why you would think about it, talk about it at the table. But I think there's just something different between the moment that it's an idea and the moment that you did, in fact, bury the guy who, whether how good or not he did, like, you sent Bret Hart away. You made a sting out of him, and when I say that, look at Sting being called the franchise until 1994, and then look at Sting after Hulk Hogan comes in. Like, that's <laughs> what you did to Bret Hart. And Yoko Zuna, like, Yoko can't fall down, but Mr. Fuji can throw salt in his eyes, and Hogan can pin him in, like, ten seconds. Yeah. And then you just got Hulk Hogan in the ring, and you also know... Hulk Hogan's only come back for a few months, so whatever you're going to do after this, like the history cannot repeat itself. And maybe they just thought, rightfully so, that Hogan's next movie would flop, and they would just go back to the well until, like, the wells might already be dry. So I don't know what the phrase is after the well <laughs> is dry, but like you did knowingly hurt two long-term performers yes. for the sake of a temporary performer. Yeah
1: short-sighted to say the least and i think even if this idea is thrown around like one meeting with hulk hogan should have thrown this idea in the trash because just look at the guy like you know appearances aren't everything but he looks awful in all of this and then it's terrible because you know say what you will about yoko brett who deserved it more who should have been put over more both of these guys were just like shamed and thrown in the garbage in this moment because here's Bret Hart. He can't beat Yokozuna like to save his life. Like he dies and that he has to like be a little cheerleader who then disappears. And then Yokozuna, you know, who could beat everyone, but Oh, he's also a piece of garbage who just like dies instantly in the face of Hulk Hogan. So way to just absolutely belittle your current roster for the sake of a guy who doesn't even look like himself and isn't even going to be there in a few months. You know, this, this booking could have been out of like 2020 or something in the WWE, you know, just take a guy from a previous era and just have him absolutely crap over everybody who is currently like holding your company together. So it, it's, it's classic Vince, I guess in some ways, but it's just embarrassing.
0: I was going to say next that if we were doing our job as the legacy series, There's going to be many, many years in the future where WWF, the only thing they would mock you for, mock us for, is having the conversation we're having right now, which is, (laughs) oh, it really hurt Yoko and it hurt Bret Hart. No, like, right now we're doing a thing with Hulk Hogan and we'll bring them back, you know, when it's time to bring them back. And if you question it, then, you know, like, do you understand that this is a work, right, and that they're doing this and (laughs) – you know, so this is, it's, it's, it's very legacy in WWF, it's early legacy of this kind of thing, but my God, it's going to happen many times afterward.
1: And it's triply embarrassing, because in what, one or two years, WCW will basically do the same thing, and then it will be, oh, uh, what's their dumb name for Hulk Hogan, like to make fun of him? The Huckster, right?
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh, yep.
1: it's the Huckster. It's so dumb. He's so old. And like, he looked better in WCW on his worst day than he looked at Facts. WrestleMania Nine. I'll just say that flat out.
0: That's a that's a hell of a statement. And again, though, that's this is why I can't like I'm always secondary in my fandom to WWF because I can just never get into these narratives. Like, you're just supposed to take that and swallow it too. That <laughs> you know this is H- this is the return of Hulk Hogan in WrestleMania, man, and that's the Hogan in WCW. And who wants that? That like, he's old now you know but like you say he looks better and also everything is fresh like he's wrestling rick flair a matchup you could have done so
1: yeah yeah and making I, like record money off it for the company so
0: yeah figure so that out. I'm, all, I'm almost swinging to the other side because now we're playing the other side of what i hate which is <laughs> oh well just for two months we're going to do something different pretend like if you don't like that pretend like it didn't happen we'll go back to the other thing later
1: oh absolutely when hogan goes out he, he will cease to exist um You know, so it it's absurd, man. It's embarrassing in like six different ways. So this is why I can't get on board with this being like this show is better, I think, than its reputation. But god, the lows of this show are just unbearably low. I think.
0: I just love that arena. I love that little. It's a beautiful
1: arena. (laughs) If they really had just stayed there, I wouldn't have been sad at all because it's great. I almost never saw a show. That takes place almost entirely like in the sunshine, you know, almost always like road wild. It always got dark for the main event. But here it was like, it was still like the day, you know, they're just fighting out there in the the bright sunshine and it was nice. You know, I liked it.
0: I'm not again, I'm not saying it would have been good for wrestling, but also that Caesar and Cleopatra had something up their sleeves. (laughs) They never got to play their card and maybe it's for the best, but they did not show up for no reason.
1: It should have been some scheme with Bobby Heenan or something. Yes, that's
0: what I said. That's in my notes, but I was gracious enough not to talk about it.
1: (laughs) I would have loved to see it. Oh, my gosh.
0: That is the end. Hulk Hogan. And I think maybe this is evidence of how past... Like, I just realized, I don't think Bobby Heenan even cares that Hulk Hogan won the battle again.
1: Yeah, I have no no quotes. My only Bobby Heenan quote from the main event is... uh, Jim Ross says, uh, Bret Hart, one of 11 children. And Bobby Unit says, that was the first litter. It was 11, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> uh, old Jimmy was offended deeply on the on behalf of us, too, and Helen. <laughs> he said, that's that just
1: terrible. I'm not going to dignify that with an answer.
0: Yeah.
1: He's got some so, nice lines. was something like, I think of the TikTok match. Bobby Heenan was like, oh, I just keep kicking him in the face. He was ugly anyway. And Jim Ross was like, Bobby, Man. that's not how I was raised. <laughs>
0: Uh, they played it up good. You can see they're already trying. Like if if we're gonna have a guy from Oklahoma in our announce booth, we're gonna make it clear he's from Oklahoma.
1: <laughs> I think Bobby Enid says Oklahoma is a suburb of Kentucky at one point, yes. which uh, enrages Jim Ross, so
0: <laughs> Oh man. So Hulk Hogan, I think too maybe the biggest offense of doing this is that if Hogan Undertaker never happened, I think I could I could forgive it more, but we've already seen Hogan's nakedness when uh, mm-hmm. he got that long stretcher scene and nobody cared yeah. against the Undertaker.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, how many times can you do this? Uh, you know, it's we're, we're far away from Earthquake, and that wasn't even, you know, that was the last time it felt like it really worked, and even that was sort of like betraying the fan because – like we talked about he would just no sell that later so how many times can you cry wolf can you cry stretcher and people will still care about it you know
0: yeah it's almost over folks so when we get the king of the ring again i don't know if i've ever watched king of the ring all the way through but bret hart's gonna be crowned the king and yokozuna is going to i think put the leg drop on this man and send him home
1: well there will also be a fireball involved so let's just uh, well, prepare for that
0: Bells don't change without a little, uh a little outside interference to the eyes anymore.
1: <laughs> you know what? Someone should have done. Brought down one of those Lex Luger shields to like shoot sparks at people. <laughs> yes. Man, that would <laughs> I would have bought that if someone had used that in the main event. Sure, you beat anybody with that.
0: Or like the camera should have just had like Fuji salt coming out of it. <laughs> That would, have, that would have showed him. It's
1: like a salt hose that just, like, blasts it all over. I'm a, I love it. Sure. Have
0: the ring filled with salt, and the referee still doesn't know what's going on.
3: <laughs> Lord.
0: All right, man. I still enjoyed WrestleMania 9. It gave me a little boost. Maybe it was just my childhood. I don't know. but
1: Hey, there's some very fun stuff on the show. As you said many times, the arena is beautiful. Uh, you got that Steiner's beautiful tag match. Uh, Perfect Luger is fun Some of the backstage stuff is fun The main event is better uh, than he gets credit for So like, there's fun stuff on the show Which I think gets no conversation But uh, there's definitely bad stuff That gets a lot of conversation And and rightfully so
0: I think I will say for my final note on it If you want to know how transitional the period is It might be the only WrestleMania where it feels like all the matches Are transitional Like oh, we'll settle all this on another day (laughs) You know (laughs)
1: yeah you got a point there um man a lot of bad endings on this show you're right about that so Whew, oh boy all right well that takes care of wrestlemania 9 anything uh else you want to talk about how's your AEW fandom coming along
0: i man, i forgot about rampage so that wasn't good um i watched about half of um dynamite but i had to leave after that so <laughs> i was um, just gonna
1: ask if your your fandom was over already because uh i'm expecting it at any point but what do you see think of what, the half you saw
0: the one thing i i noticed is that cm punk might be more natural in the broadcast booth than as a wrestler
1: i have always said cm punk is one of the greatest commentators that they've had because he did commentary at wwe for for a long stretch um for several months and he was he was wonderful in that role, so I think whenever he stops wrestling, he'd be a great fit for that position.
0: I feel like I never met the man till he sat down in that booth on, on Dynamite, because <laughs> I didn't even know it was him. Like, I knew it was him because he joined the booth, but then it was like, is this your voice? He just sounds like a normal human being, and, like, his insights are good. He knew when to lay out, like, he wasn't talking over everybody, and that's mm-hmm. a four-man booth to, like, step into. So I thought he got a 10 out of 10 on that. Um... I'm excited enough about – they'll get me next week because I want to see the Grand Slam. I want to see New York. I want to see kind of – it's almost like a pay-per-view on TV. Yeah. Uh, it's Daniel – Brian Danielson's challenging for the belt next week, right?
1: I think it might be non-title, but they are putting Omega Brian on free TV. That's a big deal in and of itself.
0: So that makes sense. Um, I don't know. I just feel like there's something – I don't know if it's AEW's fault. I don't know if it's my imagination. I don't know if it's just reality. But it feels like out of CM Punk, um, what's his name? Who who came in? Adam Cole. Yep, yep. And uh, Brian Danielson. That Brian Danielson feels just at times like the third most important to me out of those.
1: Oh well, I don't know. Maybe we'll have to see what happens in New York. And uh, I guess
0: not because they're they're booking him well. I guess, but it just feels like CM Punk was just something different, you know. And then the other two came in together, and I don't know if it's just like, I don't know if just the fans feel like they, they're just more naturally into him, but I don't know what it is, but like I won't, we'll see, maybe that match will just do something, but sometimes I just feel like the shine went, the, the newness or the shine of Bryan Danielson just feels like it went off faster than the other two.
1: I think. With Adam Cole, and this is just me and my bias against Adam Cole, so take it with a grain, of course. But uh, I think Adam Cole can come out and do his bay bay thing, and yep. he has already reached the max of like everything he can be. Whereas Danielson, I think, uh, maybe takes a little more time to show you everything that he can give. So I want to see him in a match. I want to see him uh, deeper in a feud. I want to see all the things that he can do. I, I feel like he will uh, show out more in the end. But, yeah, I mean, when you have a dumb catchphrase that everyone likes to chant with you, you know, you're basically Jim Duggan. You know, you can just come out and say ho and people <laughs> will cheer and, like, you're there. Like, that's it. You know, thanks for coming to the show. So that's just my opinion.
0: I, I was a blank slate on Adam Cole because I think I quit watching by the time he came in. Sure. Um, I was told that he was the Shawn Michaels of this generation. and so <laughs> Another
1: one. Wow.
0: Yeah, and that was big, though, because, hey, you know, that's something. And then who did he wrestle? Kazarian. You know, I I like Kazarian, (laughs) to be honest with you. I thought Kazarian had a good offense. But, like, it wasn't a bad match or anything, but, like, it it wasn't what I was led to believe it would be. But yet, again, like I said, the fans just, like, the shine is still on him, and the the people love him. Yeah, yeah. I,
1: I had the same feeling. I thought the match uh, honestly was dull. Like I couldn't remember anything that happened in it, but I do remember that the fans were hot for it. So that yeah. counts for a lot. So something's going on there.
0: Yeah. So that I think it's not necessarily AEW's fault, but the bringing them in together
2: because
0: mm. it's just the the EVPs and that whole world has a connection with the fans that goes beyond just your average show. Sure. So I think any other world that you bring Daniel Bryanson in at the same time as Adam Cole, and Adam Cole's got to catch up. But, like, just because of that connection and, like you said, maybe just a catchphrase, it's just so much shine on him. And then Daniel Bryanson, I, I enjoyed their face-to-face, but, like, at times it got it got a little too – like, I don't want him arguing with, oh, what's his name? And they almost seem like they're on the same <laughs> – like, just just smack him out nice. of the ring. Yeah. You know, so – I think what you said, though, is true. It's almost like a Bret Hart, like we're talking about, with this first title ring versus the second. Like, he will get better with time, and you need to let him be in his element. And he's, he's trying to be, like, a grown person in a way, aside from his language, which is, you know. But, like, he's he's playing the long game, so I'm open to see where that goes. Um, who else did I see? I still I don't think Pillman is where I would hope that he would be. Sometimes I feel like he's playing wrestling rather than being a wrestler.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, so, like, he's not... He's not blowing me away as much as I hoped. Right. Is he still with MJF? Or he, uh, what was MJF doing last yeah, week? Yeah, no,
1: that, that was MJF and him. MJF had more uh, inflammatory comments for uh, ah. Pillman, and uh, they're going to do their thing in New York too, I think.
0: Okay, so that's going on. That's I, I'm not I'm not mad at watching that, but like I do feel like I don't know if it's the pressure of being the son of Brian Pillman or something else, but like like sometimes it feels like he's playing the loose cannon. And I, don't want, I never want to see him become the Loose Cannon because you see what happened with Brian Pillman. But, like, Brian Pillman was not playing the Loose Cannon.
1: I hate that the Loose Cannon is his, like, legacy because, yeah. like, that is the least. I understand why, but, like, to me that was the least of what he did. Like, the, the connections he made with, like, Wrestling Liger and uh, just the many good matches, many good uh, feuds. And then, like, he's only remembered because he started this, like, shooty-shoot stuff that I think has not aged very well if you actually go back and watch it. So I don't know. That's just my opinion.
0: I've always thought too, for Brian Pillman, that a big challenge for him is the fact that jungle boy exists.
1: <laughs> You're absolutely right. Cause jungle boy, uh, who I'm a little mixed on, but I think jungle boy is much more like pre loose cannon, Brian Pillman yeah. than Brian Pillman jr. Is. And that I think is actually probably more valuable in this day and age.
0: That's why we might get a good heel turn one day because I almost feel like he's the adopted son of Brian Pillman and Jungle Boy is the son and just doesn't mention it. <laughs> you know, that's not good for anybody.
1: Right, right. That's uh, and you can... I can see it. Go ahead. I just say, uh, I can see it. Like, he may look exactly like his dad, but uh, yeah, his attitude is not quite the same. But honestly, that's good because, like, nobody should be like Brian Pillman. That was a messed up guy. So, yeah. it's so weird. Like... They treat him like he's supposed to be his dad, and I just don't think anybody should be that guy, so it is strange, and like, I don't know, I don't mind him, like, he does okay, but yeah, he's not his dad, and he shouldn't be, so just calm down a second, I don't know, that's what I got.
0: Has that ever worked in the history of wrestling for anybody? Never,
1: never, ever,
2: so I don't get it.
0: Okay, and then, Jungle Boy, I like Jungle Boy personally, but, you know, even if you didn't like him, there's some people who I would never go into AEW and insult, and Jungle Boy is one of them. Sure. Darby Allen's is one of them, and uh, Orange Cassidy is one of them. Because <laughs> I can like them or not like them, but like I see what they have solidified with their fan base. Right. Right. Absolutely. So I'd, I'd be an idiot to 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 argue, <laughs> you know that. And yeah. so that's where I feel like I don't I don't feel like Brian Pillman Jr. has solidified anything like one of them, for example.
1: Not even close. Not even close. I will say this: um, I like AW a lot. But one thing they don't always do well is – because, like, the way Pillman came in and he's got his little tag team with uh, Griff Garrison and they're the the Varsity Blondes or something, and that's fine. But, like, they came in with no fanfare, basically, and they just sort of existed for a long time before they even got to say anything or, like, do anything meaningful. And it was just sort of expected that you would, like, get along with this team. And they didn't do the legwork, you know, and they're kind of trying to do it now – but I think it did him no favors to be around for so long and just to kind of be like, oh, he's just here. We're not going to talk about it, but he's here now. So, you know, that that's something that I think they can
2: work on.
0: That's fair. And I don't think they're doing him favors now. Like, they are going to yeah. get to a point where he's going to have to turn heel or just go away if they keep up. Because <laughs> nobody likes this kind of baby face. Like, he's just super sincere right now. But it's all of a sudden and all that bad MJF. Like, that's still all MJF heat. And you know, he, he's just running around it. And... He got kind of mad at his partner, I think, and kind of went loose cannon on him one week in the back, like, just kind of pushed him aside, and, mm. you know, we'll see where it goes, but what else? Is there anything that I missed on Dynamite that I should have watched?
1: Uh, did you see the Cody uh, Malachi Black? Oh, yeah, I did, I
0: did. That, that,
1: that was pretty good, I thought. I did not expect Rosario Dawson, of all people, to jump on uh, Malachi Black, but I, I popped for that. I, I like her, and... um so strange, but, like, that's kind of, like, a WCW thing where you have, like, a random-ass celebrity who is just yep. inexplicably, like, so game to jump in there and, like, do something. And cool, like, I, I enjoyed that, so that was fun.
0: Yeah, and people running, coming out through the crowd is also WCW, so. Yes, yes, You know, it's interesting, like, Cody has burned me so many times that he will have to earn anything with me that he gets, <laughs> you know. But, like... It's interesting. Like they're they're spending a lot of their capital on this show, so it'll be interesting to see if these matches just move the feuds along and maintain them until the next pay-per-view or where they're going with it.
2: Yeah,
1: I don't know. It'll be interesting. I think they got uh, both Dynamite and Rampage from New York, and both yes. are stacked, and Rampage is two hours, so it's like kind of a double pay-per-view almost, so... Um, I hope they do a lot with it. I hope, as you've mentioned, that it's not just like match, 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 match. Like, please mix it up a little. I think that's necessary. But they're looking like very interesting shows, so I- I'm looking forward to them.
0: I did, just knowing enough about Tommy Khan and about AEW, they're going to make something matter, you know, because they've already made it clear that this place is going to matter and this event's going to matter and selling more tickets ever, than ever is going to matter. So yeah. I would be shocked if it's just a normal show. And even like you said, it's non-titled Daniel Bryan's and, uh, defeating, uh, the great, it again, I'm not going to get too picky, but maybe don't have Christian beat him. If that is going to be the big thing, (laughs) you know, because that should feel like if that's your big, if that's your big go home, we'll see what they do with it. But, and also like, I still don't think that I still think Adam page has to be the guy that wins the belt. So I don't know where they're going with this.
1: I strongly believe that Adam page has to be the guy if they want to, Stay true to the story they've been telling. I think you said uh, last time that if they don't do that, then that has to be just as big a storyline piece yes. as if he did win it. That That's the only two options. They can't just drop it, or I think they will lose something with the fans.
0: I think they got to be – I think this is partly why I'm feeling this pressure because I really like Daniel Bryanson, but, sure. like, he has got to be careful because if the fans already in some way feel like they have a relationship with Adam Cole that they don't even have with him – like, if he didn't if he step on Adam Page's title win, you know, I think that, that's going to divide some people if that happens.
1: I mean, I feel like Logic says Danielson wins non-title and then maybe loses the title match. and then Maybe that's yeah. too similar to kind of what they did with Christian. Maybe he's too predictable. Maybe they'll throw a curveball in there. But um, if they go that way and execute it well, I think he can work but there are pitfalls. You know, the fact that they have pushed this back is a risk and they're going to have to justify that as they go along.
0: I think that's the only thing that bothered me is like, I liked it better the week before because Daniel Bryson said he would love for his first match to be with Kenny Omega. But like if people want it and people are hot and people want a match, he'll He'll take anybody on. Sure. And I almost, I, I get that they want to do the big New York thing, but I almost would have preferred it if you send him on his own journey. You yeah, know. I
1: mean, it, it, it could have been interesting to see, you know, him getting that big match right away. I, I see what you're saying.
0: Because if Paige is going to do it, you also got I guess with this, I think with these fans, you don't even, like, they could do it in six years and the fans are still, it's, it's Adam <laughs> Page's title, you know. But in any other world, you would have to be careful how long you hold off the Adam Page win. I think you still have to
1: be careful, you know, honestly. Um, I hope so. Yeah, I think they're going to have to, to approach it with care. I think they have, from now until Kenny drops the belt, to make good on it. And they can push that out a while if they want. If I think they will go along with that. But the minute Omega drops to someone else, yeah, I think there's going to be, you know, some, some kind of reckoning to be had. And he can't just be champion indefinitely. I know they love him, but, like... I don't think he's the guy. Like, you need to move it to someone else at some point. Um, So, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens.
0: I think Daniel Bryanson's first video, or one of the early videos, was filled with, like, yeah, Adam Page still needs to win the world title, comments. (laughs) Uh,
1: Probably. I mean, that's how I feel. I love Danielson. I think he's better than Page. I think he's better than almost anybody. But, man, more important... Of the last 20 years, it's become this idea of like, oh, well, whoever's the better wrestler should just be champion. But I I don't think that's (laughs) best. I think it's got to be whoever's got the right story, whoever's got the right character, whoever's going to make that right connection with the fans. So I I, I believe AEW will make good on that, but you never know. So we're just going to have to watch.
0: They've also, uh, they've never had a world champion that has been elevated first by them. sure. So who was their first champion? It was Jericho, then yeah, Ambrose, Jericho, Moxley, or Moxley, and uh, then
1: Omega. All of them so, yes, were world champions elsewhere first.
0: Adam Page would be that guy.
1: Yeah, and I think at this point he deserves to be. If you look at uh, the popularity, if yeah. you look at everything, you know, like uh, before, like things kind of got mixed up now a little bit. But there was time when people were just chanting, like for Hangman, whenever Omega was out there. Mm. don't discount that that's so valuable you do not get that every day with somebody so they got to make it happen i think
0: and you i I, i'll be shocked if they because i i've I've said this even whether i like aew or not i don't think anybody knows their fan base better than tony khan knows his
2: sure yeah
0: so he's he's not unaware of that feeling so now it just becomes the best way to do it where to do it when to do it how to do it
1: yeah, that's the question. I mean, can they push it off till Revolution in February? Um, because I got to assume, you would think, Full Gear in November is going to be Brian Omega for the title. Um, but who knows? Maybe that won't be it either. So, like, I don't know. S- something will happen, and they're going to have to time it out well. And uh, I hope that they can pull that off, because often they have, sometimes they haven't. I'm looking at, uh, well, I'll just leave that alone for now. But they'll, they'll, they'll have something to prove, I think. Yeah.
0: I get what they're doing. I think if I could, if I was booking, I might do the same thing they're doing because you need sure. to pop the big crowd and you need to sell pay per views. But there's a part of me that just wishes they would get Daniel Bryanson away from or away from this thing because like, I don't want to see him lose on pay per view, you know, to to Kenny Omega. I want to see him doing something fresh and you know, it is it's going to be a lot like Christian if they have a victory and then a loss. But you know, yeah, like we that's, said,
1: yeah. I I also wish they hadn't uh, maybe done that that way exactly but um you know it happened the way it happened and yeah i it is strange like i don't know maybe brian will lose the non-title match maybe that's a, a, a swerve yeah. and they're gonna put him off on another path so it's i think i'd possible. rather see
0: that yeah <laughs> don't hold off of, and maybe pace who, who knows who knows what happens but right. um i will also say i think i missed it the team has come out uh, um for cm punk
1: yes yes they got physical um <sighs> Uh, Will Hobbs and uh, Hook mixed it up with him some. Hobbs actually threw him uh, through the announce table. And when I say through, I mean on, because the damn thing didn't break and it looked (laughs) so freaking painful. But I guess I'm loving this Punk-Taz feud. I I love Team Taz. Um, I've never seen a stable where I like everyone involved in the stable so much and i probably yeah. have but like it's just such a good team it's such a nice thing for punk to get into it's not so high stakes but it feels so fresh and so like elevating for everyone involved so it's just a very nice feud going on
0: yeah they they have booked CM punk perfectly and this is yeah. this is the kind of feud he needs to be in and i think i like the mid card sometimes better than the main event card which is really good for them
1: yeah yeah
0: i love team taz um I like, a, a, there's a couple of other young guys that look very impressive that are just like really good in the ring. Uh, and I think they're going to get pushes soon. So there's a lot of different people you can watch. I love, uh, orange Cassidy just kind of as a manager in the women's division. So
1: <laughs> I think orange Cassidy, um, you know, you can like him or not, but there are some things I think he undeniably does well. And one thing is like making that crowd connection. So anything he's involved with has at least some benefit from that. um, I'd say also, like, on this past Dynamite, did you see the FTR um, match with uh, Seidel and Martin? What a fun match that was, like... Sometimes the day-to-day, like, just your regular TV matches are where you really see the quality of people. And I love that match because you got FTR, and I think they're so damn good at what they do. You've got Seidel. You've got this so young kid, Dante Martin, who was just, like, flying around like nobody's That's ever seen. That's what
0: I'm talking about. Dante so Martin good. is really
1: yeah. good. So good, yeah. I hope there's big things for him.
0: I think Tony Khan... The, the one thing I don't like, but it's this era. Tony Khan, I think, just recently came out and let us know that there would be, so... <laughs> You can go ahead and expect that. <laughs>
1: uh, and I mean, C- fair enough. Like, you know.
0: So. CM Punk, though, put the he put FTR over like he put over just, like, top, top people in, on the show.
1: Oh, yeah, and well-deserved. Like, they have been so good, I think, in any role. Like, whether they're wrestling for the tag titles or whether they're farther down the card a little bit. Like, they're just doing their thing. They're doing a great job.
0: I also love Tully Blanchard. He's um, just... He just He's very devious, this man, and like he he knows how easy it is to get over on Sting the Clown, and I think I think he's picking on him at some point, <laughs> and needs to stop.
1: Oh yeah, no, there's a lot of good stuff, there's a lot of fun stuff going on for them right now.
0: Is there anything more Sting than you're so busy arguing that your partner's getting beat up behind you and you don't know? <laughs> it's
1: it? definitely a signature Sting move. Um, I could be his finisher practically, <laughs> so. <laughs>
0: So, I think that about closes it. Is there anybody else? What, what, anything else next week? Cause next week, like you said, both shows are from New York. So, that's also very interesting.
1: Oh, man. I gotta look up the card a minute. Um,
0: I know Both, the Lucha yes. Brothers kept their belts, I think, or either won something on Friday on, night. On
1: Rampage, they did, yeah. Uh, let's see. What have we not? Um, got Britt Baker and Ruby Soho, which I think is yes. a great match. I heard they had a great promo on Rampage. I haven't checked it out yet, so I got to do that. But, um, yeah, no, that's very good. You got Christian and uh, Jurassic Express against Adam Cole and the Young Bucks, which should be very interesting um have you been watching this stuff with this uh america's top team guy this dan lambert
0: yeah because it it confused me for a moment because i thought (laughs) they didn't really have heels and baby faces but he seems like the only baby face in the company am i I reading that wrong
1: (laughs) (laughs) i think uh, from your perspective um (laughs) it may be true but yeah what a natural promo this guy is i have no knowledge of him but i've been really enjoying his work here
0: i will say this the most fun i've had watching aew is almost everybody who i didn't know anything about and i just kind of saw them for the first time and i was like hey i like i like that
1: (laughs) that's beautiful like how great is that aew can find these people and bring them on and do these things which i think you couldn't really do in another company you know not with the same flavor to it so Uh, i also yeah go ahead
0: i like the vastness of the company like i said I think that's why I didn't like the Daniel Bryanson thing as much. I'd love to see him punks in a feud with what you could look at, maybe if you wanted to, as lower mid-card or mid-card, mid but it doesn't feel that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They've done a great job. You see it with their TNT title, which feels like nearly on the level of the world title. You see it in a lot of their mid-card feuds. I was just thinking of this the other day is they are really bringing back this feeling that you don't have to be in the main event. You don't have to have the world title to be like a legend, a star. And this is something that was so strong in the 80s and somewhat in the 90s and has really been lost, I think. So to bring that back is great, I think.
0: I agree. And it has to be because Cody has kept himself in the belt and he's definitely not going to live in an organization where that means he can't be a star.
1: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So it works out well. Uh, Only other match that I I just recalled, uh, you also have Moxley and Kingston taking on Lance Archer and Minoru Suzuki. And, man, that should rock as well as a lights-out match, so it is going to get a little bit crazy. And I think, uh, man, there's just some very good stuff coming up on these shows.
0: Yeah, these are Wednesday night, Friday night TV shows, so you know, keep that in mind. And I think the only other thing – what was it? Oh, man, I lost it now, but yeah this is very it's it's been it's been fun to watch i hope that i remember it's also these weeks are so long for me so the wednesday night is almost a celebration because it's like you're on the other side of the week now and this is kind of the marker of it each each evening each each wednesday night
1: i love that that's great to hear
0: okay so what are you most looking forward to then for next week
1: oh that's tough um probably most looking forward to the one match cm punk and powerhouse hobbs man there's just something about that like i really liked hobbs he's such a fresh like kind of young guy he does a lot of things really well and for him to be facing a guy like cm punk in his first match back on tv that's super cool i think that's gonna be great The, the the kingston tag match is gonna be great um i really want to see what cody rhodes does because he's had kind of a down year for me and i wanted to pick himself back up um darby allen in there with ftr brian danielson having his first match back ruby soho getting that title match man there's so much stuff that i'm just super looking forward to here
0: okay so my two notes the one i forgot i don't remember the card the order of the all-out card but the first match i might have been completely engrossed in was the women's title match
1: very nice. Thought, yeah, that was a very good match,
0: I thought. I thought it was a fantastic match, and Orange Cassidy, <laughs> like kind of kind of the Lady Blossom, like a more animated Lady Blossom, you know, in that corner. Like, <laughs> just very good. I liked him a lot. I liked the match. So I think the styles are going to be really good in this next matchup, you know, because, yeah. like, I think Britt Baker's going to get to be the powerhouse and the dominant one in the match, but also, you know, she might get upset as well.
1: I'm so pleased with Britt Baker. I when she first was around, I may have said this before, but I couldn't stand her this like bland, useless babyface who they kept pushing. And it wasn't working, wasn't working. And man, she turned heel. She started doing these promos, these segments, this gimmick, and God, she's one of my favorite people on the show right now. So for two of my favorite, not just women, but two of my favorite wrestlers in AEW yeah. to be fighting here, this is so cool. You know, I'm all about this. <laughs>
0: She has a lot of, like, I don't know what it is I don't know if it's Bret Hart in the 90s, but she has a very, she takes her self and her wrestling and her belt very seriously.
1: Yeah, but she's also got, like, almost a Bobby Heenan side, where, like, uh, you know, things are kind of, there's a comedic aspect, yep. and the way she kind of, like, runs down other people, and her whole attitude is so, like, quintessential heel, like, she's hiding behind others, and she'll bump and beg off and do all these classic things, so... She she has a lot going for her
2: right now.
0: I love CM Punk to calling out like Tony Tony Schiavone was trying to indirectly bring his angle up like several times, and CM Punk was like, yeah, yeah, and that because like you know,
2: <laughs>
1: CM Punk called him
0: out. Like we'll talk about it in the commercial break.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I. Tony Schiavone also has been a revelation because we spent the whole WCW legacy series kind of dunking on him. And I think very deservedly so at times, but as we said before, his role now of just like a guy who has fallen back in love with wrestling and doesn't even know like half the people sometimes, like if you told me he never saw a Brian Danielson match, I'd believe you and he's going to see him. And I just can't wait to hear like what he thinks of seeing this guy for maybe the first time. So he's been a pleasure as well so that that's a good call out
0: yeah and tony you can tell who's animated and who's alive and who's who's not necessarily tony's tony's having the run of his life
1: yeah it's almost
0: like jim ross and tony giovanni can't be hot at the same time
1: (laughs) yeah they switch places absolutely so geez
0: my last thought is this and i think it's one that matters because CM punk's done so like he's not even my favorite but he you know if he keeps up he could become one
2: yeah
0: uh, he if he felt so beat up after wrestling darby allen that like, he's gonna have a tough week next week whether he wins or loses
1: <laughs> absolutely you're in a guy whose uh name is powerhouse and not for nothing because uh this guy really brings it so it's gonna be fun i'm really looking forward to it and
0: I will tell people to check it out, but by the time
1: uh, they hear
0: this, we <laughs> might know if Adam time. Page. Go back in a
1: few months and check it out. Yes, for sure. So, <laughs>
0: is Adam Page the world champion right now? Who, who the heck be. knows?
2: <laughs>
1: Could be. Yeah, we're gonna start working on getting these shows more aligned. So hopefully it's not so far back. But uh, I gotta rework the schedule so we can get back to weekly. And we get back to real time, so these conversations have a little more relevance
0: absolutely so i'm looking forward to it we'll definitely talk about that in our next show because yes. you know there's only one time that's one thing that it got going for them that there's a lot of things that companies can never do for the first time again and they're getting to do all of them and making it special
1: yeah yeah no they've, they've done really well overall you know not not without flaws and stumbles but um you know they they've done well overall i'm pleased with it
0: Meanwhile, we'll we'll, we'll go, but Tony Khan praising uh, his fandom of Jim Cornette in the world that we live in in 2021 right now.
1: (laughs) Did he praise Jim Cornette? Yeah,
0: to how he grew up on Jim Cornette and how fair Jim Cornette was when he called. He's like, I thought Jim Cornette was really fair when he said that that CM Punk moment was like the perfect moment.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, how nice of him to uh, agree with some praise for something he put together. Yeah. (laughs) i'll say you say what you like about Cornette, you know he's got his flaws as well but anyone who can't give any sincere praise to jim Cornette over the course of his career is just fooling themselves i think so, you know the the good things about Cornette seem glaringly obvious so we've got that at least
0: yeah and if you dislike him fair enough but you dislike him for the same reasons you liked him so you know <laughs> it's still jim Cornette.
1: very very likely oh my gosh All right. I think that's about it for the show today, unless there's anything else you wanted to touch on.
0: Nah, just enjoyed that WrestleMania 9. I'm looking forward to AEW next week. Uh, And then I guess we're doing, I guess what, Road to King of the Ring?
1: I was just going to ask, you want me to put that together? Because I'm certainly game to do so.
0: Yeah, definitely, then.
1: All right, let's do it. Some more bonus material. And uh, I think we may be safely beyond the era of Bartlett already. So if we do yes. watch any Raw, hopefully we'll be spared that. So. Absolutely. All right. God, imagine if he was at WrestleMania. Let's just uh, be thankful <laughs> for a moment. Oh, my gosh.
0: I don't think <laughs> I would have said the same things because I don't <laughs> think I could enjoy the setting if he was. <laughs>
1: God knows what he would have dressed up as, so let's just be glad that that wasn't a thing. All right. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want to shout us out, I am on Twitter. I'm at SpectralGent. Give me a shout. Give me a follow. Also, uh, we have a wonderful thread on LOPforums.com. Do check out that site in general for a lot of great written material. Also, WrestlingHeadlines.com and uh, our podcast network as well. A lot of great shows on there. So that is everything we've got. We will be on the road to King of the Ring next time. Until then, Mystic, take us home.
0: Until next time, don't let the legacy be dictated to you. Rewatch, revisit, rewrite. Rewrite.
3: Side. You know that no one else believed me. How about that? With green eyes and white stripes and salted tears, I knew that these were just its cautionary features. Keep telling myself nothing to fear. It's just an undiscovered creature. Coming up to meet ya, he's the one that's scared, it's just an undiscovered creature. Coming up to meet ya, he's the one that's scared, the undiscovered creature, the undiscovered creature. I never saw this one in books or heard a myth of it Looks like it came from underwater I thought I'd seen every life form But there it is, an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared. The undiscovered creature. On, on, and on and on and on and on and on and on. The undiscovered creature. On and on and on and on and on and on. With green eyes and white stripes and salted tears. I knew that these were just its cautionary features Keep telling myself nothing to fear It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared It's just an undiscovered creature Coming up to meet ya He's the one that's scared The Undiscovered Creature